Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. Today, I am your host, Alex Jones, not the cool, loud one, you know, the really offensive, aggressive conspiracy theorist, the better one. And no, not the Welsh one who does the one show, the other Alex Jones, the Alex Jones uh, who weekly is here on the Super Show podcast with one of the ultimate gamers that he knows, Jamie, the guy who is um, helping me out this week, let's be frank, because there is so much that has gone on, Jamie. I'm actually exhausted, Jonesy. It's after a bit of a lull, after a bit of a, what do they call it? Like a, a dearth, is that the word? Of like gaming stuff. It was really nice to have some shows to get our teeth into, some news to enjoy, but it was ridiculous. It was like hard hitting, super fast. I think even Jason Schreier took to Twitter to like lament the fact that he was away for a few days. And then Nintendo and PlayStation both announced showcases literally the second that he was away, so... Exactly. I'm, like, I'm never going to complain about these things happening. This is great, and I love having stuff to talk about in the podcast. But why did it all have to happen at once? And the other problem was, it wasn't just a state of play or an Adena Direct. It was just a fucking shit heap of stuff. It's like everyone looked at this week in the middle of September and said, let's talk about everything we've got to talk about. And now we have to siphon through it all, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff, and hopefully not bore people in the process. Absolutely. Because, okay, we knew that the Disney and Marvel game showcase was going to happen. We were looking forward to that one. Um, We knew for quite a while that Ubisoft were going to have their September um, special Assassin's Creed, uh, like 15 year anniversary kind of deal thing, whatever whatever it was. I can't remember what they even called it. Um, And we were excited for those things. You know, we wanted something good from Ubisoft. We've been waiting a long time for it. We wanted something Assassin's Creed um, based. But what we didn't expect was, like I said, to have PlayStation and Nintendo both announce um, shows as well this week. So it is ram-packed with news. Um, Not only do we have that, we also had um, the, I'm going to say this completely wrong, the Ryugagatoku Studio Summit happened. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Um, Yeah, I've got shit to say about that if we get around to it, but yeah. Uh, Call of Duty next and of course the Tokyo Game Show has started uh, as of today I do believe so it has been an absolutely um, ludicrous massively packed week there's still stuff going on like I said and we're not going to get to some of these stories I would imagine because um, we're going to be talking for quite a while also those stories are going to carry on probably until next week and maybe even the week after uh, for the podcast so lots of gaming news to bring to you <sighs> amazing people out there in um, in podcast land and in podcast land, there's not only one way to consume your media. You don't just have to listen to us through your headphones. You can also look at us with your eyeballs if you go to YouTube, which is where people might be looking at us right now. Um, we're not just on YouTube, like I said, though. We're also on podcasting platforms. I'm talking Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. I can't remember any of the others, and they're the only ones that are written down. So I'm just going to go with that. I'm not going to yeah. try and reel them off the top of the dome. Um, we also have our friends PaisleyRadio.com who host us every week, Thursdays at 10pm, repeated at 10pm, so you can get a real authentic radio experience every week <laughs> with the Super Show. So you really have no excuse to miss uh, miss the show on a weekly basis, and you can always catch up if you ever did miss it. So happy days. Happy days I reckon, indeed. Jamie, we two-footed leap into Disney and Marvel and sort of start oh. this um, this epic week, uh, the way that it started itself um, by going in, a, in order. Um, my memory is notoriously terrible, so I apologise if, if I forget anything. Um, I watched, I think I watched three of these shows as they happened, or two as they happened live, one I had to catch up on, but Jamie, the man with the, the knowledge, is <laughs> like a taxi out. driver. He's like a taxi driver in London where they know all of the streets and all the places. He, uh, he knows the gaming, he knows his gaming stuff, whether he has to write it down or not, whereas I get... 
I just get so totally confused um, <laughs> because that's too much. I, 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 there's a reason for it though, but I'm worried that outing myself would just make me look like a bigger weirdo than I actually am. The secret is. I think joking. I know it. I know. This, I think I know the secret. You tattoo it on yourself like memento. Exactly. And you are like a spider web of clues. Yeah, exactly. So memento too, except he's just got a big tattoo that says Harvestella written across his chest. And every time he wakes up, he looks in the mirror and goes, oh, Square must be making another farming RPG. Um, that's the way it goes. But no, the, the real the real uh, answer is that I end up, and not always just you know straight like raw dog, but often through the, the, the veil of reactions or people watching or talking over this stuff, I end up watching these showcases multiple times. So the, the big four of the showcases we're talking about, I've seen all of them at least twice. And some of the key trailers, I won't spoil which trailers, but like there's one trailer in particular I think I've watched six or seven times. So, <laughs> like, yeah, the, the, you know, there's, a, there's an element of preparation that comes into this. Like any good podcaster, I do my own work. Very good. Well, and, and like a bad podcaster, I've I've done my some of my own homework, but mostly not. Because um, like I said, I've only watched, I watched the, the, sorry, I watched the four big shows, but I didn't even watch them in order. And I definitely didn't uh, rewatch much because I actually skipped through some of the boring shit that I couldn't be yeah. bothered to listen to. That, I mean, um, I, what, I, what I will say is for while the shows were big and the highs were extremely high, like, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but there are two games that you can pick out outright from across what everything we were talking about today that if you told me this time last week that we'd see new trailers for those two titles, I'd prepare myself or begin preparing myself for one of the biggest blowout weeks in you know gaming in recent memory. But the reality, as you said, is that a lot of these streams did contain lulls and lowlights, and it was a lot of studios and publishers and developers talking about things while they had an opportunity to talk about them, not necessarily because there was a good reason to talk about them. Um, plus, yes. the other thing I'll say up front is, I don't know about you, but like the Disney and Marvel showcase, for example, feels like it happened six months ago. Like so much shit has happened that I yeah. don't believe that this happened inside the last week. No, it does seem ridiculous. It's, it's funny to say because there, there are yeah, there are some trailers and some things that got talked about that you know we've wanted to hear about, we've wanted to know about, and it's really exciting. Um, some of the other things, it's games that are, have been coming for about fifteen years, it's, it seems, and they just keep mentioning them every little event they have, and it's like yeah. Yeah, we get it, man. We get it. That's coming. But hey, look, enough um, enough um, gabbing from me. Let's get straight into it. Um, so the Disney and Marvel game showcase, as Jamie said, um, you know, it, was, it wasn't, I'm going to say it wasn't that bad. It wasn't great. Um, but then, you know, Disney and Marvel, they're not the cutting edge of the games industry, let's be fair. So maybe it wasn't to be expected, Jamie. Maybe. What I will say, again, I feel like I'm jumping the gun everything I say at the moment. <laughs> they Disney and Marvel, when it comes to the way they license their properties and the games being made using their IP, have the capacity to be cutting edge in terms of the video game industry. This showcase was not a particularly good example of that, though, I think is how, how I feel. Yes, I think going forward, you're right. Uh, in the the years to come, the years ahead, I think they'll be much more exciting. But I think at the moment, yeah, they're sort of they're still getting there, aren't they? So they kicked it off um, with actually something that I was excited to hear about. But again, it was probably a little bit um, uh, pointless given that it was just an announcement, which was Tron Identity. Um, we got, I then got a little bit let down because it wasn't the sort of Tron game I was hoping for. It's actually a puzzle based visual novel um, from Bithel Games. But I am a Tron. Uh, fanboy ever since I saw the movie the original one come out when I was a kid and then the games you know you've got like Tron Evolution is it Tron 2.0 I 
I think there's another one. Tron Run came out a couple of years ago. Um, I'm just a big mm. fan of that franchise, so that's why I thought I'd mention it. But this was just an announcement. We don't really know much else. Um, Disney, Illu- Disney Illusion Island, um, on the other hand, I was a little bit, uh, not like taken aback, but I was impressed by this. I thought it looked very cool. It looked very Cuphead, um, but it was with Disney and, and Minnie and uh, what are their names? Pluto and... Um, Goofy, no, Goofy was in it. Pluto wasn't. Donald Daffy Duck was there, not Donald Duck. I, I get it, it all mixed Duck? up between like the, the Looney Tunes shit and all like. There's too much cartoons. I don't know that, and they're all fucking it, six years old at this point. It was the Duck one. It was Goofy, and it was Minnie and Mickey, and it was like a four-player co-op 2D platformer that was kind of in a retro style, you know, a little bit like Cuphead, which did look um, pretty cool. It did look like um, it looked like something I could imagine a lot of people would want to play, would want to get involved in. Yeah, and, and it was actually a weirdly promising way to, you know, get squeeze an early game into the showcase and like, oh, this is a way in which Disney are going to leverage, you know, the wider stretches of their their you know huge catalogue of IP to make interesting games. Um, I wasn't particularly enamoured with the gameplay. I just looked that I just thought it looked a little bit slow. I thought that you know when you you, you mentioned Cuphead, one thing that came to mind for me with when it comes to like. Um, 2D or 2.5D platformers, side-scrolling platformers with really cool art styles uh, was the uh, Rayman games, those last two Rayman games that Ubisoft made. And those just felt so much more dynamic and smooth and and fast-paced than what I saw of Illusion Island. But it's still a cool way to kind of bring back almost ancient-sounding and ancient-feeling characters now, like Mickey Mouse, as weird as that is to say. And like, yeah, like, fuck it, put him in a game. It's been years since... How long has it been since Epic Mickey, Jonesy? Give Mickey Mouse's games back. It's got to be 10 years? It's got to be more than 10 years. I can't oh, even maybe think. 10 years plus. the second Because there was a second one, right, but it was like exclusive to the Wii? I don't know. Oh, no, hold on. No, yeah, I think it would have been 2010 Epic Mickey. Um, so we're going back at least 12 years, in fact. And I'll tell you what, though, I think you, you were right that it did feel slow, but I think one of the things that Cuphead obviously has going for it is like the shooting mechanics and all of that and something they're going to steer clear of in a Mickey game. Imagine if Mickey was like pulling out a gat and just blowing away little cartoons. Hey, when Niamoto signed whatever fucking deal he signed to let Mario and Luigi and all of them not just team up with Ubisoft's rip of the uh, ripoff of the Minions, but also wield um, every kind of gun imaginable, I think it set the stage that anything's possible. Um, who knows? Watch the space is what I say. Who knows indeed. Um, we then got a, a new gameplay trailer for Marvel's Midnight Suns, which of course um, was bumped, wasn't it? I can't remember when it was bumped from. They, so they, um, they bumped it and said... December 2nd, sorry, it's coming out Well, so the December 2nd was what they confirmed uh, during the showcase prior to this. It was, remember they bumped it and didn't give it a new release date. It was one of those yes. indefinite or until further notice bumps, which people thought was really worrying, but it's still coming out this year. So who knows? Yeah, yeah, which isn't too bad, but it's... It's one Marvel's been like Suns is one of those where I'm a bit like I still don't really know exactly what it's going to be, what it's going to play like, how it's going to totally. feel. It could be cool. I'm sure a lot of people will like it. Obviously, if people love Marvel, um, and you get a lot of characters in that game, you can play as a lot of different. Yeah, you get a lot of different um, like team members. So for access, know what they're doing too. Like XCOM and XCOM Two, they're they're fucking big boy games. So you'd hope that this is for access in their element, just working with a new roster of characters. We'll see. You would. Um, and then Aliens Dark Descent, we got to see a bit more of that. That is something that I, again, like a, a little bit, I suppose, XCOM-y, but that for me is one that I really want to play, but I, again, I don't know if I'll be able to because I am suck at like the uh, 
um, tactical RPG style games. I'm so shit at them, but I love aliens. I love that world. I know. And like with the sound effects and the plasma rifles and all that stuff and fighting xenomorphs, like from that perspective, like that top-down isometric perspective looks does look wicked. Tell me if I'm crazy though, because like you said, this does look a bit XCOM-y. It is a tactical RPG, but when we got that first snippet of it, whatever it was, I think it was during the summer at one of Keeley's things with no UI, and we just saw an isometric right. aliens game. I thought it was going to be a twin stick shooter, and I was really hyped for that prospect. Like you know, like a Hell Divers um, alienation what was the style. One what was the recent? Uh, uh, was it not not levels or the elevator? One the the indie that came out um, last year, which was where you you know you were living in the oh my goodness, and it was on uh, Game Pass. The Descent. Des- was it Descent? The Ascent. The Ascent. The, the, ascent. Ascent. Yes, Just the right. opposite. <laughs> the Ascent. No, I, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right because I thought it looked very much like the Ascent. That and the Ascent seemed to draw kind of from that right that exactly. visual style as well, and how the aliens in the Ascent kind of like xenomorphs would crawl up over the rails and like attack you. So, and yeah, I kind of thought the same thing, but no, this was much more XCOM, much more turn-based. Yeah. Um, and just, and uh, I'm not going to lie, made me think that I'll be rubbish at it. And it scared me a little bit because uh, uh, that, that XCOM fear I have of when you, that you can feel the battle switch and you know, there's nothing you can do and that your whole team are going to get annihilated. Yeah. And you've named them all after your friends. Yeah, exactly. Characters and you feel I sad. like I've just moved Chris right into the middle of the battlefield with absolutely no cover to take the perfect shot and the game has now told me he's got a 6% chance of landing it and if he misses they've got four turns in a row and Chris is just standing in no man's land with no armor. So bon voyage. Chris Jr, welcome to the squad. <laughs> uh the the worst thing about like uh XCOM I used to play when I was younger was um was when you could see the aliens so they were revealed. Um, but then you would miss a shot. They would shoot your guy who could see them. And then obviously they would go out of line of sight. So they would go dark and you'd have no idea where they were. And then it was like, oh no, I can't even find them. I used to hate that. Because then yeah. I knew they were going to sneak up on me and wipe my whole squad out. And they did it relentlessly. The worst. The worst. Um, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, a game which I have actually played to completion. Uh, thanks in big part to my children who um, <laughs> like absolutely love it. I was quite keen to see some more of this and I did think it looked pretty wicked. Um, uh, all the sort of stuff they were showing off. And then my little heart dropped because I realized that it was nothing that exciting and it was actually just character packs and you can download a bunch more characters um, from current like Star Wars, like franchises. The TV shows and stuff, right? Like it's Yeah, you've got the Mandalorian, you've got Obi, like the Obi-Wan show and all a lot of that. They've just reskinned a whole bunch of stuff. But I was really hoping for some cool DLC because this that is a cool game. Like when you get into it, when you get away from the original trilogy, like levels, and you get into the newer stuff, mm-hmm. um, I had a lot of fun. Very cool game. I even bought some of the character packs, I'm being honest. Oh, do you have like, is there a season pass or something? Like are you going to get these character packs that they were just showing off or? I think no, I think you so you can if you get the DLC, like the, I think you can get like a full pack and you get everybody that they've released and you kind of get everyone, or you can buy like individual characters as and when. So I've oh, I okay. bought like I bought the bad batch. I think I bought Mandalorian. Um did I was it Mandalorian or was it someone else? I bought a couple just because the, the you know I want to say it's for the kids. It wasn't, it was for me as well. Of course <laughs> exactly. it was. You've got an excuse though, that's your cover up. That's what you just <laughs> it's, you, it's you should tell everyone. I'm like, you do like the Mandalorian, don't you? My yeah. three year old's like, it's like I don't know. It's like every time I look at your PlayStation profile and say, it's definitely your kids that have played 100 hours of uh, Lego Jurassic World, right, Jonesy? And you smile and nod really slowly as if to say, yes, it's definitely my children. Yes, I don't just run around as a Lego Velociraptor scratching at the floor and sniffing. 
Is that what they do when they play it? That because that, that's probably that's your most that's... played game on PlayStation according to a profile. Oh, they absolutely have annihilated all of my stuff now. Um, <laughs> so the, the the Velociraptors in that game, yeah, like if something's buried in the floor, so you see like stink lines coming, or, or like smell coming out of something, uh, they can like sniff it out and then track where the thing is and dig up the mini kit or wherever it is you've got to find the bit of fossil. Great. Um, yeah, that's terrible, isn't it? Like my kids have probably played absolute shitloads. Of that Minecraft is the other one that they, my six-year-old plays. Yeah shitload of it's it's also fun like watching the games that again i presume your kids it might be you like like test and clearly nothing works or it doesn't stick with them and so it's like oh in between 100 hours of lego this or lego that they also played one hour of this ice age game and you know probably didn't make a great impact and life goes on do you know what's funny with though because we so we've got uh obviously with playstation the, the top tier like you get all the other added on stuff so they play a bit of some of the old playstation 3 games and kids games and things. right sure and they, they'll get into like the ice age game they'll be playing it for a bit and it's like come on we're going out we're going to go ride our bikes so we're going to go do something fun you've got you've had too much tv um and then i turn it off and because it's like a, a live streamed game um, it's not something as, e- as easy to pick up and it's a bit more clunky just because they're a bit mm. slower to get like navigate into and stuff um, to not that much slower, but then and but they don't load in the same way. It's not like immediate. Oh sure. Um, and so the kids are kind of like, oh, I don't want to play that again. I'm going to play Minecraft. Yeah. I'm going to play Star Wars or whatever. I think Bolt was another one they played recently Bolt, from yeah. a film tie-in game, which was crap. <laughs> yeah, but- especially PS3 era. Like it's not quite like Astros, where you you know you click on an activity on the uh, on the PlayStation dashboard and you're controlling him within like 15 seconds. It feels like no. Yeah. Time's changed, no, it turns out. So, SSDs, as luck yes. would have it, are pretty fast. They are They are very fast and very good. Uh, talking about times changing, um, Return to Monkey Island is uh, we had a, we had a look at um, in the uh, the showcase as well. And lots of people are excited to return. I never went there in the first place, so, um, <laughs> you know, maybe this is the first time I'll get to... What's his name? Guybrush Threepwood. I can never remember his name. Guybrush Threepwood, that is his name. So, yeah, if you want to... Yeah. Be him again. They Go really should have. A, they really should have a special edition of this game called "Your First Time on Monkey Island" for people like you or me. Yeah, in it's fact, so, it's, just thinking out loud. I think the only one I played was the PS2 one called "Escape from Monkey Island." So technically, I have left Monk. I have. I have to have been to Monkey Island because I left there. Monkey Island. But why would I go back if it was an escape? But this would be a ah. return. No, because you can escape and then return, like Escape from New York. Did they do Return to New York? They probably did. I don't know. That's that's a question for Mr. Pliskin, not me. Yeah, talking um, old games that we're going back to, Gargoyles uh, from the SNES is getting a a remaster. Um, So that's exciting for everybody who wants to play Gargoyles again. I didn't play, I don't remember Gargoyles at all. I I don't even remember, like, what Gargoyles are outside of this video game. Like, I gather there was probably a TV show called Gargoyles at some point, but I never watched it. I remember the Gargoyles and Hunchback of Notre Dame. They were cool. I don't, yeah, I don't know if there's a TV show. I don't remember the Gargoyles game. Like, um, So obviously they've been doing a lot of old SNES uh, uh, remasters and sort of bringing them back, you know, talking Aladdin, Lion King that we've talked about. Add Infinitum on the show because, of course, Aladdin on the SNES was the greatest Aladdin game that there was. And it shall not be compared to the um, the other ver- 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 version that Chris likes to bang on about. Was it the Master System? Was it the other one? Uh, Genesis, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah Genesis. And the, the, he's not here to argue with you, so Gen- you win this time, Jonesy. <laughs> Save at the moment. 
Yes. Um, there is a Avatar Reckoning is a new mobile MMORPG set in the Avatar universe, just in case, you know, you weren't getting avatar up enough with the uh, impending release of Pandora. What was it called? Pandora, the Ubisoft game. Oh, um, Frontiers of Pandora. Frontiers of Pandora. Yeah, but Frontiers then even that's probably miles away. Like, we're going to be watching... I reckon, well, we're definitely going to be watching the second Avatar movie before we play that game, which is weird to think out loud. But yeah, that's the reality we live in now. Yeah, well, they've obviously got a sort of balance, you know, this massive release schedule that they've obviously been thinking about when things get pushed and and stuff, it obviously messes everything up. So that yeah. I reckon they've sort of turned around and gone, we need a mobile game to fill the slot well, before the movie comes out. They did show um, a trailer for Frontiers of Pandora during the showcase, but the reason I didn't include it in our document was because it was the same trailer that Ubisoft showed like two years ago. Like, they still don't have a new asset for that game. They're just quietly working on this mysterious first-person action-adventure avatar game. Which is so weird, because in some respects, you can imagine that game could actually be a lot of fun, but you know it's going to be a terrible movie tie-in game. It's going to be a reskinned Far Cry Primal. That's my, that's my prediction. Oh, <laughs> you got the imagine. spears, you got the bows and arrows. All you need to do now is make a system where you can fuck people with your dreadlocks and uh, you're and be blue. And be blue. Yeah. That's a big part and of it. Be blue, that's it. That's a reskin. People have been doing that since the day, since Doom, you know? Just, there's probably, you just open like one of those, it's one of those files, those .ini files. You right click, open with notepad, change the word pink to the word blue, and uh, it reskins the whole game. I am a game developer. People know this. You are, mate. You are. You are, you are a lot closer than I am, anyway. Um, one thing to be a little <laughs> bit excited about that we got to see um, uh, the untitled Marvel game. Um, from Amy Hennig, which I think everyone, you know, is a little bit excited about, but we don't know much about. But we actually got to see um, a some a cinematic for this. We got to see Black Panther, uh, Captain America, um, and a couple of other characters who I didn't recognise, so I don't know who they were, but from more from Marvel. But yeah, it's a World War Two looking thing, yeah, which is interesting. We were way off about this. Do you remember when we thought this was a Fantastic Four game a few weeks ago? Because it was yes. being described as an ensemble game and people were trying to decipher what the writers had worked on before. Because um, it didn't make sense for them to make a, like a, an actual Avengers um, game because we were like, oh no, they're not going to do that, you know, and they've got the Marvel game, um, the Marvel Avengers game, obviously, which was a bit of a bomb. Um, so it was like, what are they going to do? How are they going to make an ensemble cast game from Marvel? And it seemed to make sense that they would maybe reach into some of their other um, Marvel assets. And yeah, f- uh, Fantastic Four seemed like a good shout and I think we were even trying to work out how those characters would work, who would be cool, how they'd implement <laughs> yeah, exactly. everything. But no, they completely threw us for one because it's um, Captain America, Black Panther, um, and some other people. Well, <laughs> some other yeah. I don't know who the other people are. I, the, 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 the poster gave me the impression that it's like, it's one of Captain America's friends and one of Black Panther's friends, and they're like significantly less super in terms of their abilities. But maybe that's just a bad read from me. What I will say, though, is that from both angles here, both the Captain America and Black Panther teaming up angle and the World War II angle, it is not what I expected. And in the realm of Marvel games, I'd say that's a good thing. Um, I, I, you know, the idea of a World War II set Captain America, Black Panther team up game, like Amy Hennig style action adventure shit, if they put some good money into this, like that sounds like it could be really interesting. And it's just, I know, don't get me wrong, I know we've seen World War II ish looks before when it comes to Captain America because that's part of his origin story, right? That's part of his, you know, journey to becoming the Avenger we now know, or the dead Avenger we now know. Is that a spoiler? He's very old now, and, and or old. dead. Um, 
But yeah, I, I'm still really intrigued to see how this shapes up. I think they've also interestingly confirmed that while it is Black Panther, it is T'Challa's grandfather or great grandfather or something like that. I was going to say it would ha- it would have to be because obviously T'Challa is is sort of you know he's but we're in his twenties in like now kind of or thirties like now kind of time. So yeah, it would have to be because they've well they even in the films they or the film they show like T'Challa's dad who used to be the Black Panther. Um, and I think because they've even show that you get to see him as a kid at one point, like before he's actually the Black Panther and his dad is. Maybe. At one point. I can't remember so, that movie that well. I saw it on a plane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I struggle with it. I struggle with it a bit as well. But so you also get to see a little bit of uh, Wakanda. Is um, there's, a, there's some of that shown off in the trailer, a very small bit. There's also some of France. Obviously, World War II did occur, some of it in France. Uh, and Hydra, as I'm sure everyone remembers, um, were all mixed in with the Nazis. So this game is, is I don't know what this is going to be. In my mind, I can't move away from um, it, it feeling a little bit like, um, oh, what's it, you know, Nazi Hitler, mech, mech Hitler with no head. Oh, Wolfenstein. <laughs> Wolfenstein. Like a weird, like Amy Hennig does Wolfenstein meets Marvel's game. It's going to be a bit, it's going to be interesting. Let's put it that way. Now you just made me want a scene where Steve Rogers auditions for the role of Captain America while wearing a fake mustache so that no one could recognize him. And he has to personally audition for Adolf Hitler, who is like old and increpid and is pissing himself and throwing up everywhere and shooting people um, nonchalantly. And if I don't get that scene, I'll be bitterly disappointed. That would definitely be a far cry from um, uh, previous Marvel games. So that would be interesting if they went. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think you've got to take gambles these days. People are familiar with the Marvel formula. And I think inserting a comedic interpretation of Adolf Hitler, complete with vomit and urine, I, I think that could spice things up. Maybe, maybe it could. Um, but I th- for me, that was definitely the most exciting thing. Uh, we got to see a cinematic at least. Yeah. Um, so that was the most exciting thing because you put Amy Hennig, Marvel together and you see a cinematic like this and actually it sounds like something that we can get behind. Whereas everything else, I think, um, you know, it was fine. The rest of the show was fine, but it, it wasn't um, it wasn't mind-blowing, was it? It was a little bit of a damp squib. Um, so there was one more thing that I nearly forgot, which is um, Niantic, who we will hear about again uh, before this podcast is done, um, are teaming up with Disney to make Marvel World of Heroes which is, of course, going to be a on-your-mobile-phone-out-there AR game, probably involves some walking around, finding heroes and doing stuff with them and having them interact with each other, because that's what Niantic do. So, yeah. yeah. How many steps do I have to walk before Black Widow does something? I don't know, but we'll find out. It would be cool, if, to be fair, if that was if you could, uh, if you could choose to be like Hydra or... or Avengers sort of side and you could you actually had like a like battle battle lines drawn on a real map where you could try and sort of take areas using your heroes they did that before right because I remember you played the Niantic game that was the precursor not the precursor but the uh, came before Pokemon Go and before Niantic became one of the biggest mobile developers on the planet the earth and that was very kind of territory based if i remember rightly oh, what was it even called i can't remember the name of the game i'll see i'll look it up and you while you were right you know yes yeah, so no, that was experiences yeah that was that was actually the sort of the, the game even more so than pokemon go um like real world uh Niantic game that i've gotten into which was effectively you would take over nodes and if you could control paths so you go from node to node to node in the real world you could then 
encircle an area and then sort of take control of that area and that was your area and in order to take it from you somebody else would have to like pass through your area if mm. i remember rightly and like carve off sections of what you'd um, done by creating a circle around where you are and then you could do the same thing to them and it was and it was all like color coded and it was quite a cool uh a cool battle game that it got you to go out walk around and sort of um yeah spend yeah, some time it, on your feet it was called ingress ingress but then you know what they did, which really bugged me? They did a massive update, which made it much shitter and run much, much worse. But it was like, it was like they'd added a texture pack to it and they'd added some um, assets, but it made the game much more chunky, much slower to run. Whereas it used to, it was quite a snappy uh, mobile game, which is what you want. And they tried to fancy it up a bit and it just kind of, I just canceled. I literally stopped playing it the day they did the update. Yeah. It's always, that's always the worst when it happens. I, I was doing some weird reading the other day, and I found out that one of the guys, I think one of the guys who's primarily responsible for the, I don't even know the right terminology to use, the invention or the creation of Ethereum, um, yep. a, a Russian-Canadian dude, uh, like one of his biggest like motivating factors for creating like a sustainable blockchain kind of shit was he was a uh, really committed World of Warcraft player and his favorite move got nerfed um, and he stopped playing overnight and cried himself to sleep and woke up the next morning and that um, it like had an impact on his vision for Ethereum. That's like, I laugh, but I, I'm so with him. Like that can happen and you don't expect it. And it, it seems like, how could one thing in a game ruin it for you? But it really can, especially when it becomes like a core aspect of how you interact with that, that game, that medium, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If they just do something to it, like for example, if you're playing Warzone and you really like playing a certain build and you like playing, you know, certain character, certain gun, and even if it's not the best there is, if they just do something to it and just ruin your experience that little bit, it can just turn you off and you just sort of say, what's the point? I'm not, I'm yeah. not enjoying this anymore. No, 100%. Warzone is a great example of that. Like, keeping up with the meta in Warzone became exhausting, um, and that wasn't fun by the end of it. No, no, I, that's what I heard. I never kept up with the meta in Warzone. But do you know what? I reinstalled it last week, so uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> just just in time for the new one. <laughs> yes, well, the, so uh, some of the... Before the new one comes out, some of the guys I used to play with want to jump on and have another oh, that's go. Nice. So they, that's they nice. Were Did you ever experience uh, Caldera, which was... no the quote-unquote new map, which is no longer new. No, no, I never did. So oh, cool. I, I haven't managed to jump in yet, though. They've played four or five games this week, but I've been so busy that I haven't even been able to. There you go. Um, unfortunately. Some people, Jamie, that I know who will be busy right now um, because they'll be listening to this podcast because they are our supporters. They are our Patreons. Our patrons. I always get that wrong. There are patrons who join us at Patreon. <laughs> forward slash super show um, and I would like to give a shout out to uh, to some of those awesome people there are some on screen right now but I'm also going to read um, out a few names they are Aaron Cameron Athletic Gravy Bill Caesar Brimstone Cole K Crow's Perch Ice Knock Rock Salt Jesper Camdo Nielsen Leo Merger Mindful Pig Mr. Anthropic Nathan Piers Pastors Guild Brett Z aka Shellshock Doppler Geometric Potter Hacksaw Book Read Manuel Guerrero and He's Wad. Um, yes, they are the big dogs. So uh, I just forgot to say that. We always say that, and I didn't say it. Yeah, Shocking. it's a little, little break there. I also like the emphasis on the word, on the Wad part of Peas Wad. Uh, I think that should be a fixture going forward. Peas Wad. Peas Wad. Well, I don't know if I said Peas Wad. Peas Wad. It's a nice day today. It's a nice day today. See, it's one of those acting things, Jonesy. You're a natural. Thank you very much. Emphasis um, is important. 
It is important. But look, uh, talking about emphasis, I want to emphasise how amazing our patrons are. Um, yes. They do support us. They keep us coming back week after week. They keep the lights on and they keep this little train on the tracks. So thank you so much, everybody, for supporting us. It is, um, it's very much appreciated. Yeah. Um, Massive thank you. And thank you for sitting through and listening to us talking about the Disney Marvel Showcase. That was the end of the first bit. We've gotten to the first sort of milestone in the podcast, Jamie. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, like we didn't take too long. We didn't get caught up on anything. There were some tangents, but we kept them under control. I feel like we're making good pace. Like if we were long distance runners right now, we're in amongst the pacemakers at the front, which I've always been confused by because do they, are they called pacemakers because they have pacemakers or are they just people who define the pace that everyone else should run at. And if they are that, then why don't they just run themselves and win? So that has happened. That has oh. happened. But so from what I understand, the pacemakers, the reason they don't stay and win is because the pace they maintain in order to keep the pace, you know, for the, the rest of the pack, they themselves cannot maintain for the entire race. They're people that are not up to the standard to be in that final and win setting oh. their pace. So that's why they like peel off and then they stop. However, it has happened that the pacemaker has gone, do you know what? I think I'm going <laughs> to, yeah. I think I can win I love this. that. I love that. See, that's, I, I want more stories like that. Like a pacemaker just being like, no, fuck it. I'm going to do It's like, gonna... a, if you ever watch a horse race and the horse wins and then after the jockey's fallen off. Yes. I saw a clip of that the other week. In fact, I don't know if it was just doing the rounds, but I did see that, which is like who wins. Cause the horse is the thing that is doing the racing, right? Like you announce the winner of the horse, not the jockey when you're, you know, you're betting and stuff like that. I think the problem is the horse can't win because it's uh, a lot of it's done by weight and because it doesn't have the weight of the jockey. Mm, it's almost, point. it's an unfair advantage, even though the jockeys are only this big. So they, you know, no, no, that, that, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. I didn't consider that. And jockeys are small. I reckon that's I a could, bit unfair to the horse. I reckon I could pick up a jockey and, th- and th- I reckon I could throw a jockey like a shot put. Maybe we should see any any amateur jockeys out there that will let Jamie throw him, throw them. This is um, a social experiment, yeah. Because also, like, it's like I feel like uh, jockeys they're they're short, but they're also quite thin. So it's like if you had like a throwing competition, it was like a jockey versus a midget versus a dwarf. I think you get surprising results. I think someone needs to look into this. Oh, interesting. Yeah, maybe because you think about like aerodynamics, you think about weight distribution, center of gravity, you know. Yeah, because they they are quite they'd have they have to be light. That's why they're jockeys because that's mm. they get on the back of the horse. Yeah, yeah, you, you might be onto something here. They might be the lightest of the three. So we need one of each for you to throw as a test. Yeah, exactly. Um, there must be there must still be like a, a TV show like like tested or like who's that Adam guy who used to do like I'm going to do experiments to figure out the real science behind this bullshit. We had Brainiac oh. in the UK, but I know there was a more popular like US show. Um, Yes. Uh, yeah, I feel like he should look into this. Mi- Mythbusters. Mythbusters, yeah, that sounds right. Mythbusters. And it was, Jamie and Adam. And was tested like the YouTube kind of like thing that he was sort of involved with, with two other uh, dudes. There's an maybe. Asian dude somewhere in the mix. I can't remember. I'm just talking out my ass now, so I'll shut up. I know they peeled off because they had they had three more people who came and joined the Mythbusters and then they sort of peeled off and did their own thing. But no, I think you're right. I think they did start a YouTube thing. Yeah, um, rings a bell. Mm, but Jamie, I don't want to hear about what you used to watch on the internet. I want to hear about what you've been doing in the last week. Well, you know, it's funny you say doing, you could have actually stopped with the word watching because the only game I really wanted to check in having played more of it since I uh, brought it up last week is immortality. 
Um, and it's not a game that I uh, um, bring up because I wanted to discuss in like a crazy, sordid amount of detail because it is one of those truly narrative-driven, the less said, the better style experiences. Um, for anyone that like missed it last week or just can't remember, this is the new game from Sam Barlow, and it is the FMV um, sort of like mystery game where you're sort of passing through and piecing together um, three uh, mostly completed but unreleased films from three different eras that all star the same actress who has since gone missing, and you are piecing together the mystery by watching clips from either you know like behind the scenes shoots from the from from these various films, sometimes completed shots from these films, sometimes auditions, screen tests. Uh, cast members or uh, directors doing interviews for television. Uh, you're kind of piecing together the story, how these three movies are connected, how the actress in all three of them is connected, and what her story is, and why she made one movie in the late 60s, one of the late 70s, and one of the late 90s. Um, that's the premise. Um, and it uses like, it sort of like you go through clips one by one and watch them and kind of fill in your own awareness of the story. But it's also got this match cut feature where when you see a thing like a, a face or an object or a piece of jewelry or something that you like you want to see more of, you click it and it match cuts it to a place or a time where an object or a face or that's either similar or identical appears in another clip. And so you can dot, jump from clip to clip being like, I recognize that face, you click on that face, you might see that actor appearing in something else or in another context. Um, and... Uh, all, all I really wanted to say was just that I think that Immortality um, is a really remarkable achievement in the realm of FMV. And I think one of the things that's really interesting to me is that FMV, when done well, and Sam Barlow has done it well in the past when it comes to games like Her Story and Telling Lies, they've always done well by kind of setting really sensible parameters for with it that the FMV can live within. But it's like they don't have the mm -hmm. budgets or the talent to go and make feature film quality FMV video games. That would be you know, a, a drastic and disastrous waste of resources, but also in incredibly difficult and time-consuming and expensive. And so, you know, her story was kind of filmed on a, like a small camera, like a, uh, like a you know, someone giving a deposition to the police-style thing. Uh, telling lies was like webcam kind of stuff. And a lot of FMV games do that. And this is one that kind of ups the ante by saying, no, our framework is going to be feature films, feature films produced in three very different eras, you know, where technology, the technology around filmmakers specifically, was changing very quickly. Um, and also, like I said, changing the way in which we're presenting it, whether it's um, like shots that were like straight out of the camera and clearly haven't been touched up, shots that were nearly completed, like I mentioned, auditions, screen tests, all that kind of stuff. And you're... and. It's just really remarkable the attention to detail, the way the the the, the extent that they've gone to to capture those different eras of film, um, and to make everything feel super authentic. Um, I, I I just want to give them credit from that from a production sense that like it's genuinely convincing. And from what I gather, there's about an hour of each film in this thing, and so like right. this is a game where they made th th three one hour long films. Four, all from three different eras with full casts and directors but also they're all fake films so they're all you know like it's kind of this wider almost not quite mockumentary style um thing and that's really impressive um and must have been really complicated so kudos um and for, on that same note just want to say the 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 lead actress who plays the actress who has gone missing and is the lead in all three of these films um just like I, I genuinely think like there's this weird thing with performances where um, uh, 
like motion capture and, vo- and uh, voice capture and, and voice performances and video games have improved a lot over over recent years, right? And so we're getting yeah. like more and more familiar with the idea that people can give really good digital virtual performances, and we get games like The Last of Us uh, Part One, you know, the, the other week, which you know, kind of took Troy Baker and um, Troy Baker, for example, his performance um, and kind of like rejuvenated it and brought it to life and and displayed it in a uh, fidelity that we've never seen it before. Um, but it feels like we still have a different uh, kind of gauge for the quality of an FMV performance because all of a sudden you're looking at a real person acting and you're not comparing it to virtual performances or motion capture anymore. You're comparing it to TV and to film and it becomes really difficult. And that's why I think a lot of FMV games in the past have had a, had a lot of stick for, you know, weird performances or performances that haven't always been like converted particularly well to the to the to the format of video games um and this again like, t- to be fair to it when making like an fmv for video games i do think it's really tricky because what one thing you, you have to do is allow the time that you need for a player or whoever to realize and see stuff so i think mm. fmvs often feel weird because you have to have strange pauses and straight and like you know you have to have a set a, a wait for someone to like click on something or do something which makes it feel like it's badly acted when it's actually not a lot of the time. I think it's, it's yeah. that doesn't help. Yeah, it, it, and immort- immortality, again, it goes back to that, like, the framework. It's really smart that it's presenting clips from a film that exists in a way that's removed from the gameplay and the way you interact with them so they can stand on their own and they don't need to adhere to traditional FMV rules. And, like, the lead actress who, like, when you break it down, she is playing an actress who then goes on to play, you know, three different roles in three different yeah. movies, in three different genres. She's surrounded by different people, but also you're not just seeing her within those movies. You're seeing her before the camera starts rolling or after it's being yelled cut or when she's being interviewed on like a late night talk show about the movie, about how you see her having different kinds of relationships with different people, whether, you know, she doesn't get on with someone or she does get on with someone, you know, comedic elements, some of the films, horror elements, some of the films, like the amount that this game um, and captures in both its like it, it its tone, the genres of the films that it's um, kind of that it's recreated, um, and the amount that each of the performers in this thing would have had to have, you know, considered um, as they did their work. It's it's like it's a really remarkable feat that I just think more people should look at um, because they've done a really tremendous job, and that's what I wanted to say. That's cool, man. I, I, my first games were FMV games, so I'm, I've got a soft spot for them, definitely. Uh, nice. Was like back in the day, that was uh, that seemed like the best games were. Uh, we're going to make this game look amazing by using mm. FMV. Do you, know what, do you know what else this game has that maybe uh, can uh, seal the deal for you? What's that? Boobs. Lots of boobs. Oh, loads of boobs I'm, and shagging. So if you like that, that then, I'm in. Yeah. FMV and boobs is where I'm at. To be fair, I think that's the two. Two things most people like. If you ask most people what they like, it's it's boobs and video. It's so. true, actually. Yeah, I used to play a game on my uh, Sony Ericsson where you would take this little uh, icon and around the edge of a screen, and when you felt ballsy enough, you would cut in from the edge and then go back to the edge, and the shapes that you cut out would reveal a picture underneath, and the picture underneath was uh, of Jordan in her prime, and I used to play that game every night. Um <laughs> And then there were these little things that would bounce around, and if they touched you while you were cutting, then you would die. So it's like, oh, you you want to get to the good bit, but the good bit's right in the middle. But like, how far out can you push it? What if you get caught? Um, 
real sort of like a you know you people talking about doom and like push forward gameplay and risk reward like but nothing did it quite like the the game where you slowly got to reveal jordan's tits yeah no it's it's funny because uh that sounds like the early days of the internet as well when it almost felt like a game when you had to wait to see uh a pair of tits because it would like load line by line yeah take forever oh jerry jerry halliwell just waiting (laughs) (laughs) and she never (laughs) even showed (laughs) the real thing yes she did not the nips. Come on. She was a she was like a page three model before she got into the Spice Girls. I've got some googling to do. Jesus. Oh, how did you not know that? Because I was born a decade after you <laughs> when the Spice Girls were on their last legs. Ah, oh, this is our prime prime Spice Girls days when I was a kid. Anyway, before this gets too weird, let's move on. Um, I'm going to quickly touch on something. Which do you know what this? Okay, this ties back because I was looking for a new show to watch. Um, because I don't get long often, like a, a bit of spare time these days. It feels like I don't get much time. Um, and I was watching the Ubisoft uh, showcase, which we'll talk about um, in a little while. And Rob McElhenney popped up and reminded me of a show that I had, I knew about because Chris has talked about it before he's mentioned it. Um, but I kept forgetting that it was a thing. Uh, and it was right on my street, which was um, Mythic Quest is uh, season three is about to come out. Um, so he was on the Ubisoft, Ubisoft showcase, like um, talking about that. And I'd never watched any Mythic Quest, so I was like, oh, there's a fly buzzing around my head. Um, so I was like, hey, let me um, let me jump into season one of Mythic Quest. Each uh, episode's only about 30 minutes long. It's on Apple TV. Um, so let's do it. And I've watched the first three episodes as of now, and mm-hmm. it is exactly what I want from like that sort of TV show. It's obviously a comedy starring Rob McElhenney. It's got like a good cast of characters and people around him, um, like Arbed from Communities in it. Uh, and a couple of other people I recognise, but I don't actually, yeah. I can't really remember. F. Murray from. Abraham's in that first season, right? Who, sorry? F. Murray Abraham. Is that? From, uh, uh, Oscar-winning actor from Amadeus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. He plays I'm, Salieri yes. in Amadeus. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah, no, he's a, he's in the first. Oh, well, I guess he's only in the first season then. As well, you I, said, so. I, I don't know for sure. All I know is that I watched the same trailer that you did for season three and I didn't see his face. So I just, Oh, it's, oh okay. Spe- pure speculation. Right. Right. I've got no idea. He might be in season two. I've got no idea. Um, but yeah, and it's, it's so for those who don't know, it's a show about the development of a video game. And it's funny because when you, you can tell that it's been made in conjunction with Ubisoft because when you see clips of games, they are very obviously Ubisoft games. So there are sections oh, right. of like, Literally, the opening shot of the very of the pilot is uh, looking over the back of an eagle, and it's okay, got like, like nice, yeah. and you're like, all right, Assassin's Creed. Then there's even shots of the game, which is called Mythic Quest, um, which is supposed to be like a, a World of Warcraft like style game. Um, but then when they actually show shots of the game, there's like people jumping off of walls into into piles of leaves, and you're like, okay, more Assassin's Creed. And then you occasionally have close ups of people fighting, like where they have like swords and knights. You're like, well, this is For Honor, like it's not even hidden. It's just clips of do these they, games. Do they change the assets at all to make it look like it's something unique? Yes. they. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't an assassin in assassin's garb, for example. Right. Uh, the For Honor guys, actually, some of those might just be what the For They might have just picked less popular For Honor like, units because they don't need to change them. They're not that well known. <laughs> um, it's like a knight of a wow, blue geez. thing and a... No, but you know what I mean. They're not. No, like I do, I do. But well known characters. Weird also, not many Honor. people played For Honor, so <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that, that. It wasn't that good. So yeah. you know, that's not fair. For Honor was cool in some ways, and I like watching. Do you know what? I, lo- I like watching people play For Honor. I like watching them stream it. Um, I remember the afternoon where you realised you liked watching people play For Honor. 
Because they're I, good at it. I used to sit like behind you in such a way where I could see your screen at lunch breaks. Oh, but it's a cool, it's, it's cool to watch people play it, but it's not cool to play it if you're me because you're not very good at it and you don't have the patience to like, well, what guard are they going to be and how am I going to switch between this stance? And oh, I don't care about that shit. Yeah. Um, but no, Mythic Quest is fun. Yeah, I, anyone who's got Apple TV um, who wants something to watch, it's like half an hour each episode, jump in. Are you, are you getting laughs out of it, would you say? Not like not like big out loud laughs, but more like it's the whole thing is humorous and the the the, the, the mm. situ it's more like situational like humor as opposed to like out and out comedy. So for example, the pilot episode is uh the dev wants to include a which is one of this weird thing. There's like one developer for the whole game. Like she's the only developer, which is obviously oh. like where are the hundreds of people that it takes to develop these games? So you've got like so Arbit, uh, they, they got a guy played Arbit in community, I don't know the actor's name. Um he plays like the uh, the loot crate uh, and monetization guy who's always like, okay, cool. who's trying to, but he's, he doesn't make the games. He just tries to talk about ways to get monetization into the games. You've then got the guy who does narrative, but he doesn't program anything. He's just a story writer. You've then got um, like the play testers who are in, who are obviously there like in their little room play testing. Uh, and then you've got the dev who basically programs the entire thing, does absolutely everything and anything they need to be developed. They go to her. And you've then got Rob McElhenney, which is who's the creative director behind the game and like an executive producer who sits over the top of everything. Like, there are thousands of people who make these games. It's not one developer. I'm, yeah. I, I'm not supposing yeah. some, they're trying to hide it and they're like, oh no, they're downstairs. They're not in the show. Don't worry about it, maybe. Yeah. Also, like, you can't, you know, read voice lines and, you know, give performances when you're crunching. Like, they, you know, they would have they would have pointed the cameras at a, at a developer and they'd be like, no, nah, I'm, too, I'm too busy. I've got to work 16 right. hours to, for the sixth day in a row. Thank you very much. I don't have time but, for your jokes. Well, see, actually, do you know what? The first episode is quite interesting because they do deal with, in a humorous way, they deal with uh, the fact they're trying to rele uh, release the um, first DLC or expansion, I think they say, for Mythic Quest, which is called Raven's Banquet. And the problem they have is Rob McElhenney wants to um, tweak a shovel that the dev wants to include in the game. She's like, I want a shovel so people can dick. And he's like, no, I want, it needs more. We want to make it into a weapon as well. And she's like pissed off because she just wants it to be a shovel. And he's promising that he won't push the release date. And it's, they're like, it's five o'clock on a Friday. They, it gets released on Monday at nine. Like, we don't have time to do this. And then they're like, he's going to push it. He's going to push it. And then he's, and then the executive producer's like, he's not going to ask me to push it. And he literally turns around and says, we need to push it. And it's this, and, and then... They do change it. They do change the shovel to be a weapon as well. But the only way they get that done is by working all through the weekend. Okay, so yeah, they Which do. Is, a, it's they kind do of weird. And then do they go full circle when Rob McElhenney um, sexually assaults or harasses the the lone female uh, developer? Just no. for the true Ubisoft experience. No, but what they do have is one of the. Um, <laughs> they do have one of the play tests. So they've got two female play testers and one of them is into the other one. And she goes and tells like the HR person that she's into her and she really likes her. And she's like, I'm going to tell her that I like her. And the HR woman's like, you should not be telling me this. And you're like, they're even introducing a little bit of the uh, sexual like overtones that there mm. shouldn't be in the work environment, especially when one of them has no idea that you are one of you, that you're having these thoughts about them. Um, yeah. So they weren't a million miles away from sort of teasing. Yeah, it. Sounds like a slightly more innocent version of the oh, uh, very of innocent the, the true story of Ubisoft. But um, 
Very innocent. A comedy Rob McElhenney yeah. innocent. Also, I'm not, not sure right. those stories had broken by the time Rob was writing that first season, so. It, yeah. Maybe he was prophetic in knowing that, you know, <laughs> that was a theme that might come out. Um, yeah. But there you go. That is uh, Mythic Quest. Um, would you like a comment of the week, Jamie? I'd love one, Jamie. This comes in from Tev N, who last week said, uh, I'm kind of glad Jonesy messed up because now we have Jamie's golden impressions of him. Shout yeah. out to yeah. Jamie for last week. Well, the opposite, actually. I actually picked this comment because it's so weird when you look at the comment section of a video and you expect to see one thing, you see something else. So I just want to clear up one uh, you know, widely believed misconception. That was not me doing Jonesy's... Like, Jonesy's mic was working at the beginning. That's Jonesy's voice you can hear saying all those lovely things about me, complimenting my uh, humility, complimenting my my humour, uh, my the timing of my jokes, many other things. I mean, there are other things that are worth complimenting as well, but he just kind of focused on three of his favourites, and, uh, you know, I'm totally cool with that. There's time for everything else later. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to just clear up a little misconception. Jonesy's mic was working. He paid me a lovely compliment, an, an accurate, factual compliment, true to my character, um, and then he stopped recording, so... Um, I'm thank not going to argue. Yeah, thank you're you. welcome. I don't know what happened to your voice um, during those uh, during those moments of compliment paying, but um, I don't know what you mean. It sounded exactly like me. It sounded a bit, a bit like this. <laughs> no, like, yeah, yeah. Like you were getting well, a wristy while you were saying it. Whatever you did, Jamie, you did a good job of it. So thank you very much. Hey, it was fun in the end. It's <laughs> always nice to take a a, a thing like that that. In the moment, you're like panicking. You're like, "What do we do?" And in the end, you're like, "Yeah, let's just do that. Let's have fun with it." And uh, turns out, uh, almost everyone I think that I saw who commented on it uh, went along with it, apart from the few that were extremely confused, which is also understandable. Um, but I guess, yeah, thank you um, if you did go along with some of our tomfoolery last week. I guess. Yes, apologies again, everyone, for like for messing with you, but uh, all good. Okay, let's move on to our second uh, event of this past week, the Ubisoft Forward, which was uh, probably was the event that I was looking forward to the most um, because we didn't know two of them were happening. So this was the one that I was uh, <laughs> I was in anticipation for. Sure. I'll tell you what's funny about this as well, was when they when the uh, Forward started, um, they cut to, uh, oh, what was his name? Danny, Danny Wallace, obviously from Assassin's Creed. So, what was he in? Two, He's in a lot of them, but yeah, three, two was the first one. Yeah, I can't remember the last one he was in. But yeah, so Danny Danny Wallace playing Danny Wallace, but they cut to Danny Wallace um, and kind of gave a little teaser to be like, don't worry, guys, stay tuned. We will talk about Assassin's Creed. But first, you've got to sit through this well, Ubisoft forward. Yeah, I was, like you kind of hinted that at the top of the podcast, the structure of this was very odd because it was a it was an Assassin's Creed like 15-year anniversary showcase that was stuck within a Ubisoft forward. I think that's how they. I think that's how they plan to get people to watch it because th- that is exactly how I felt when it started. It was like, there, here's Danny Wallace introducing the Assassin's Creed 15th birthday showcase, but watch this stuff first, and then we'll get to it. Like they massively, uh, yeah. it was like, just stick with us. It's going to happen. I Don't mean, yeah. have to wait long. And that of also again, like without trying to like be too negative about this before we got into it, it also tracks with the fact that a lot of what they did get through in the forward itself were, you know, coming into the realm of updates on games and, you know, reminders on games as opposed to reveals, with a few exceptions. 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's get into some of the games. So we saw a little bit more of Mario and Rabid Sparks of Hope, which we've seen a fair amount of um, at the moment. Um, for anyone who didn't play Mario, um, what are they? Oh, I can't, they always call it Mario Plus Rabbids. I always get that wrong. Yeah. Uh, Mario Plus Rabbids. Um, that is a cool game. I've I've got it. I've played it sort of for a while. I've not probably played it as much as I should have done, but I am a bit excited for Sparks of Hope. It seems like they've added a whole load of quality of life stuff. They've added new yeah. mechanics. The game looks like a lot of fun. Um, it does look like they've they've sort of taken it from what the original, the the first version was. And the sequel is, is looking to be a good time, which has uh, improved in most ways mm. um, on the first one. So yeah, it, it looks pretty decent. I, I will say that I, th- I think the change or the shift from, you know, the kind of, choosing where your character moves and how many t- like turns that would take or how much uh, you kind of you know of your action points that would use up to having f- complete freedom of movement within a certain space seems like it's going to be a real game changer and I hope it's cool um the other thing I'll say is they've got to stop letting that Italian man say the name of this game every time I hear it because now it's not Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope anymore it's Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Up because he doesn't he can't say the h so every Sparks time in my head it's like Sparks of Up Sparks of Up and every time I hear the H pronounced, like happened in the Nintendo Direct spoiler, I'm like, there's no H in hope. Where's your Italian <laughs> heritage? It's up, up. It's just hope. Did they get, um, did they get, uh, ah, oh, what was it? <laughs> I've ruined my own joke because I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, someone his someone name? famous, Chris, uh, someone Chris. famous and Italian. No, that was the joke. Gianfranco Zola. The, uh, uh, the guy who plays Mario in the new Mario film. Oh, Chris, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. I was going to say, did they get Chris Pratt to voice it? And I fucked yeah. it because I couldn't remember his name. So Chris Pratt. Yeah, here to announce Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Ope. But then they do that too with Herbs. So herbs, it would, yeah, yeah it would, that would actually track. I don't know if they do it with Hope, but Sparks no, they of definitely Ope. don't do it with Hope. Ope. But yeah, but Ope. yeah, but if you replace Hope with Herbs in the name of this game, the Americans would call it Marion Rabbit Sparks of Herbs. They would. Where's the they H gone? Yeah. Italians and Americans. <laughs> holding hands and joining forces, not just when it comes to great qui- qui- culinary inventions like the chicken parmesan, but also not pronouncing H's where they should. Also, I will say before we move on, shout out to Rayman, who is announced as a uh, DLC character going to Rayman Spark, character, Sparks yeah. of Ope. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And uh, yeah, cool character. So uh, that's cool to see. I mean, we haven't seen Rayman, Rayman in a while. Back. So like, yeah, Rayman showing the top of his head in the third piece of DLC for a Mario Rapids game. That's news nowadays, Jonesy. I hate to break it. Uh, yes, and then we got some uh, an update on Skull and Bones. Uh, we got to see some shop customization. Uh, they confirmed cross-play and also revealed that uh, PvP um, can be turned off if you are scared that other people uh, will blow you out of the water. So um, you can just play by yourself. That's a good pun. I like that. You're welcome. Uh, Netflix. Um, we then had we then had a little chat um, about TV because nowadays they can't talk about games and only games. They have to roll in the anime, which is uh, made about absolutely everything. Um, and so this time it was uh, Netflix were talking about the fact that they'd struck a deal with Ubisoft and that three games uh, are coming exclusively to the platform. These are ah um, oh, okay. This was I was thinking this was something else. This is the mobile games. I'm right in saying it's mobile yeah. games, isn't it? That are coming to Netflix. So you'll be able to play mobile games through your Netflix account. I was thinking it was the the uh, anime that we were talking about at this point, but we are not. Um, 
They are what? Valiant Hearts 2, which is a sequel to the Mighty Quest for Epic Those are, those are separate things. Oh, I apologise. So Jamie wrote this, this bit, so I'm getting can be wrong. So you, hold on. That's Valiant- basically just Josie slagging off my punctuation. Great, thank you. We've got Valiant Hearts 2, and then we've got a sequel to the Mighty Quest for Epic Loot and a mobile Assassin's Creed game, which we actually don't know much about yet. Um, and we've also got the live-action Assassin's Creed series, uh, which is hopefully coming in the not-too-distant future, because that should be absolutely epic. Like, that could be an absolutely mm. epic show. We've talked about it before, and it's going to be wicked. I just, I can't not think I- Westworld. I don't know where that confidence comes from as well. Like, even Westworld. Could be so good, because the film was terrible. The games are brilliant. Then they've talked about, like, Infinity, and you're like, okay, so you're this weird thing. And then it's like, holy shit, what if it's like Westworld, where they sort of hop in and hop out of different time periods? And it's like this sci-fi, historical, like, it could be so cool, or it could be really shit. Okay, now that you've said that, yes, I'll agree with you. It could be so cool, or it could be really shit. We're in agreement there. Yes, um, but there's also, like I was saying, there are some uh, animated, some uh, anime series coming from Netflix as well, um, linked to all of this bollocks too. So you're welcome. Yeah. Ubisoft love signing deals with people who are getting more and more involved with games. They've been there for Google, they were there for Amazon, and now they're there for Netflix. I don't know if it pays off for them in the long run, but it's an interesting one. Valiant Hearts 2 especially, like that first Valiant Hearts game was pretty cool kind of touching, really cool, unique art style. So exclusive to Netflix, sure, why not? I don't know if that's a sense we're going to have to get used to saying or hearing, but it's interesting for now. Yeah, they've, to be fair to them, I think I like the fact that, that uh, Ubisoft seem to be like trying to be cutting edge. I think sometimes they get ridiculed for it because it doesn't quite hit and it doesn't work mm-hmm. because then the thing that they attach themselves to becomes a bit of a joke. But I suppose it, it should be grateful they're pushing the envelope and they're trying new stuff rather than sort of stagnating. Obviously, when you talk about things like the um, uh, NFT situation, um, (laughs) things like that, it doesn't quite work so well. But, you know, shout out to them. And don't go and don't see the... Is it Michael Fassbender who was in the the movie? Yeah. That was terrible. That was fucking awful. That film was terrible. He's a great actor, though. Like, what what a waste that was. But... Do you know, you knew it was going to be terrible in the trailer when they were like, here's the animus, and it was some, like, big spider thing that came out of a wall yeah. and picked you up and moved you around. Like, you've, no, you've just ruined it. If that's what you need to go with, it's going to be terrible. The, the only thing I will say about that is, while it was nothing like anything that had been in the games up to that point, to my knowledge at least, it did make far... Well, not, not, not far more sense. It did somewhat make sense when it came to the idea of the bleeding effect that supposedly exists within the animus. Because the bleeding effect was obviously the idea that the longer you spend going through the memories of your ancestors, the more of their kind of inherent abilities that you inherit, including physical ones, which is why Desmond goes from a guy that's been lying in a sci-fi bed for like, I don't know how many days, weeks, months, to being able to do parkour. Because it's like, oh, I've been doing parkour as Ezio, so now I, Desmond, can do parkour. But he's been lying in a bed. So it's kind of like... I have no problem with that though, because if you learn to play the guitar in VR, but you let's say you, but like you there's a physical like I, I, if I if I got into the like if I jumped into the animus and my ancestors did parkour, Jonesy, I give you a clue. I'm not lifting my body weight over like a ledge or a fence when I come out of the animus. But you'd know how to do it. 
You just might not I know how. But the, but the idea that, like, that an animus that kind of suspends me in midair, so I'm doing movements or actions, and, like, yeah. the kind of, the, the motions are being sort of, like, burnt in. Like, it's not a bad idea. It was just, it looked dumb and it wasn't in the games, which is a rough combo. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a very rough combo. Uh, something that was, is not necessarily a rough combo, and does actually sound like it could be quite cool, is Tom Clancy's The Division Heartland, um, which is going to be a free-to-play survival game. And you bring those two things together and you have something which could potentially be pretty interesting. Yes, the, you know, something I'm going to keep an eye on, especially as a fan of The Division. Um, I just hope that they kind of maintain some of the, the PvE elements that I liked uh, and some of the, the looter shooter elements that I liked. But there's definitely no reason why a free-to-play, you know, polished, solid version of The Division could be successful. The mobile version... Yeah, I'm slightly colder on, I'll be honest. Maybe that's just me. No, I, I think any mobile version of anything I think is, is a rougher concept, rougher push, because it's like you've got to get away, get around the inherent issues that there are with mobile gaming anyway. Um and attach it to a game and have fun be yeah, have fun with it. And I'm yeah, I don't I'm not there yet personally. Um Yeah. But you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll they'll crack it sometime in the near future, and suddenly it'll be like you're gaming at home on your mobile. But well, yeah, we're not we're not there yet. You be a trying. Well, there's another game we'll talk about in a second that is evidence of that. Then we got to the uh, the, the cream of the show, which was actually the Assassin's Creed uh, 15 year showcase, which is what I think most people were waiting for. Um, and it was actually, I'm going to take a minute to just say how I did feel a little bit sorry for Ubisoft. They are a very leaky ship at the best of times. Um, but unfortunately, they were incredibly leaky because this ended up, rather than being an announcement or a reveal or anything, you know, exciting like that, it effectively just became an exercise in confirming stuff that everyone already knew because um, we'd had uh, information put up on online in the form of like, I think there was some the um, uh, articles posted like, before the thing came out. And then you also had leaks where people were already talking about the sort of games that were going to be brought out at the Assassin's Creed series. So we knew basically everything, I think, before we actually got to to see this, which was a bit of a shame. Yeah, agreed. Real bummer. Like, this stuff, this was one of those moments where I was watching it live and thought, actually, this is cooler than I'd given it credit for in written format. And it would have been nice for Ubisoft if at least one of these things had managed to remain a surprise. But... That's the nature of the internet, and I will also say in Ubisoft's what's the what's the opposite of a defense in like a legal term? So, uh, ooh, because I'm not can't say in, in in Ubisoft's offense. No, I don't uh, know. I don't one, know. Or, okay, what I'll say is one one way in which Ubisoft didn't do themselves any favors is it turns out that the Assassin's Creed portion of this showcase was shown to influencers, I believe, um, like four or five days before it happened. I guess so they could, you know, prepare content or do whatever they needed to do, which, you know, don't get me wrong, they'll have got all of them to sign NDAs, and I'm sure they hoped that that stuff would remain uh, watertight, but that never happens. Like, you can't show or, or inform that many people that far in advance and not expect something to get out, and sure enough, everything got out. No, no you're absolutely right. I mean, it's funny because um, we sort of say that a lot of the times it's other people leaking stuff or it's, you know, store pages leaking stuff, but it does seem that more and more Ubisoft are their own worst enemy when it comes to leaks. So unfortunately, um, yeah, they're, they're a victim of that again, I guess. Um, but okay, so what did we actually uh, get to see? What did we actually get to hear about stuff that we've already talked about in the podcast, funnily enough? Um, 
And do you know what's funny? I actually, I'm good before I say that. I actually feel like you could tell from the show that this was the, the the most important section because it then cut to a complete different set. It was really nicely shot. It was obviously all pre-done. They had Danny Wallace there, and I can't even remember the other girl who was yeah, it was, uh, it was doing it with her. Um, but yeah, no, they they did a good job of it, and they were there to sort of introduce some. Um, uh, some talent who were in some of the games and to talk about things that were coming up. So first up, we had uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage, which is the game we've talked about before, which is the um, the game which is focused on story, narrative, uh, and sort of getting back to the stealth mechanics of the old school like Assassin's Creed and actually taking the series back to where it first started, um, which a lot of people miss, you know, move it away from the RPG uh, style games that they've really turned into. Um, and you're going to be playing as Basim, as we've um, sort of heard before as well. And you'll be playing in Baghdad, which is wicked. Like that does sound like an amazing environment, amazing place yeah. um, to have an Assassin's Creed game set. Um, totally. I don't, there's, unfortunately, like again, there's not that much to add to what we've talked about before on the pod when we've talked about this because we kind of knew everything. Yeah, it, it, Assassin's Creed Mirage feels like a real known quantity right now. And uh, yeah, I'm sure all the way down to the point where I'm sure people listening already know what we think, which is to say that I'm, I'm I, like you, I'm excited. And I think the idea of the series going back to basics and I, I, I liked those RPGs, but the idea of, you know, reining some of that stuff in a little bit and making a more Assassin's Creed 1 perhaps inspired title in the series is is I'm totally down for that as like a breath of fresh air I, the one thing we didn't know which I'll mention purely because it's something we didn't know um, I recognised her voice but I could not have told you what her name oh, was oh god yeah um, Shorey Agadishlu the actress who uh, provides I think she's going to be like the um the master to, you know, like Basim as he's learning to become an assassin. She has that, she's the actress with that really awesome, like gravelly voice. And I think she even says, um, they had an interview with her and she really enjoyed playing the role because it's like a, it's a Persian character. And obviously she's an actress and she's from that part of the world. And she's got to sort of get to grips with that sort of a cool assassin's assassin character uh, and lend her awesome gravelly voice, which is, um, I was like, yeah, it's always it's always nice when they introduce like a big star or someone yeah. recognised into a game, which was cool. Oh, to, uh, what a unique voice as well! Like when I when I first heard it, because you hear her in the kind of cinematic reveal trailer before they reveal it, it's actually her. And I hadn't seen any of the shows she's in. Like, the, was it was it the Expanse? Um, so I, I I'm not sure I'd ever seen her or heard her in anything. And when I first, I don't know if this is a bad thing to say, when I first heard it, I thought it was the little Asian guy from the 40-year-old virgin, the guy with, like, the grey goatee who uh, fights with Steve Carell all the time. <laughs> what? Yeah, that guy, I thought it was him. That's it, it sounds like him, and it was a woman. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I didn't, oh, like, see, tweet that or something. I can't think what she, I've seen her in stuff, so I'm going to check. She's Oh, okay, so she's in 24, which I've seen. Um, she's in Star Trek Beyond... You must have watched that at some point, then. Like you, oh, no, I've seen, I, I, yeah, I've seen that, of course. But she's in she's in quite a few things that I've seen, and so I re- immediately recognised the voice, and I was like, oh, and I couldn't. Re- I was literally I couldn't remember her name at all. Um, but yeah, is oh, she's she's also the voice of the Witch Queen in Destiny Two, apparently. Oh, weird. Okay, then I, yeah, I would have heard her voice. I'm looking at this and like, yeah, she was in the third X Men movie, so I would have. Um, oh, she's in Mass Effect. Yeah, yeah, she's in the uh, she's Admiral Shalarahan. I've got to see Last who what I'd, I've got to oh one of, okay that makes sense um, yeah and she's Lak, Lakshmi 2's voice from Destiny 2 as well yeah Star Trek Beyond she's yeah she's she's literally been in buttload of stuff um, yeah I probably should have picked sense. up I probably should have picked up on the Mass Effect link there I only played those games like 
day two years ago. I will say it was because when she was in, when they had the cinematic, like she sounded great, and you know you could you could she her voice has got so much character, it sounds wicked. Um, then when they actually did the interview with her, they obviously hadn't set the sound up. You know, it wasn't as amazingly done as they do when they do voiceovers and I could barely understand of half what she said because her voice is so gravelly and so deep it was like yes thank you for having me on now I was wondering Jesus Christ I was wondering which of the two of us would be the first to do an impression and I'm glad you've broken the ice Jonesy thank you you're welcome. Um, next up for Assassin's Creed, uh, so there were two big big projects that um, have been uh, announced that we, you know, we talked about last week. We said one of them is Codename Red and the other one is Codename Hexe, which we were getting wrong, calling, or I was calling Codename Hex. Yeah. Um, so Codename Red is the Assassin's Creed game which is set in feudal Japan, um, which, you know, is a bit of a weird one because we've already said, like, Ghost of Tsushima is an incredible game. Hopefully it won't feel like a an Assassin's Creed version of that because it would be nice if it was very different. Um, but you play, I believe, a Shinobi, which is, I guess, is is an, is an assassin in what they would have been called in the time of feudal Japan, which is actually completely different from Ghost of Tsushima because Ghost of Tsushima, the whole point is that you're supposed to not be an assassin. You're supposed to be a samurai and you're supposed to be honourable. And I suppose, depending on how you played that game, actually, maybe it will feel quite different. Like, I ended up playing uh, Ghost of Tsushima much more like a stand your ground, call them out, and then go to town on them with a samurai sword. I didn't do as much of the sneaking around uh, stealth killing. So I'm hoping, yeah, may- maybe that maybe that would be the thing that sort of does it for people, about how you how you ended up playing Ghost of Tsushima as to how much you'll enjoy this. Or maybe it'll be completely yeah. different. It's a different game. I'm not going yeah, like, to worry about And it. also, like... <laughs> They've got the the power of hindsight right now. Like it's not you know the, the, they're true. making Assassin's Creed codename Red and you know have been gazumped at the final hour by no no um, not they they can look at everything that um, Ghost did and say well that's where we're going to pivot or that's where we're going to shine a spotlight on this or that or change this weapon and this gadget and this you know the, design an environment this way and you know there's room there for for something different and obviously yeah. Like, in in, in in Ghost of Tsushima, you could argue that the nature of being the ghost had some assassin-like qualities to it, but you were still primarily f- targeting and fighting uh, the Mongols who had invaded uh, Japan, whereas, you know, that there's re- again, there's room for other angles there depending on the kind of uh, environments you're exploring and who exactly your enemies or your targets are. Um, I don't know enough about that setting and that era to, to suggest what that could be, but... Yeah, hopefully no, they, they find some 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 grass of their own to to chomp on. In a like twist a cow. Of, in a twist of like fate, a bit, maybe a bit of irony. Um, it might even be that Ghost of Tsushima felt like it was, uh, in some ways, was well, in a lot of ways, was inspired by Assassin's Creed games of 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 the past in the way that they did some of their stuff. So maybe it'll be the fact that because Assassin's Creed is like you know has gone down more down the RPG route and is in continuing to evolve and change it may well be that this feels um very different because simply where ubisoft are going so this is and one thing they did say which was was i suppose i hadn't realized this and was one of the most interesting things they said so um codename red is going to feel similar to odyssey and origins in the sense of it's going to and valhalla it's going to be like an rpg a big open world style assassin's creed game that we've sort of uh, we know as they are at the moment codename hexe which is set in um uh, oh, what is it? Ro- the Roman Empire. Yeah, Central Europe in the 16th century. 
Yes. What did they know? What the Holy Roman Empire? So they said, yeah, around the witch trials that occurred there. So like you said, yeah, around the 16th century. But what they have said is that it's going to be a very different uh, take. It's going to be a very different type of game um, and is being um, led by uh, Clint Hocking. I have no idea what that's going to be, if I'm being honest. I don't either, and that's what's so exciting about it. Like, I was on the Discord the other day chatting with some guys about uh, Clint Hawking because he's such, like, a fascinating character in the game industry. Perhaps slightly hurt in terms of his reputation, how big a a household name he could be by the fact that um, between his two stints at Ubisoft, he unfortunately didn't end up shipping a game because he bounced between a few different studios while they weren't shipping anything. I can't remember which ones they were, but they were fairly big. But before he left Ubisoft, the last thing that he led was Far Cry 2, which was a really kind of big, technically ambitious game with a lot of like really interesting ideas for the genre at the time. And yeah. the game that he led now he's come once he once he came back to Ubisoft was Watch Dogs Legion, which, you know, for as much as you can say about that game's uh, you know, tone or writing or like just whether or not you enjoyed it overall. I, I personally thought it was like above average, but not spectacular. I think again, yeah. that game's central mechanic and the central idea of, Hey, let's make an open world action adventure game where you can play as anybody and to actually pull it off. I think that speaks a lot to the way that Clint Hawking's a guy who just, he doesn't want to just make a game for the sake of making a game, even while working at a company like Ubisoft. And the fact that they're upfront describing Hexay as, something different and something we might not have ever seen before for Assassin's Creed with that setting with him at the, uh, you know, leading from the front. I think that's exactly uh, what this next sort of like wave of Assassin's Creed title needs as they're, you know, expanding it in all the ways they're expanding it. This is the time for experimentation, different formulas, different people being given the opportunity to bring their ideas to a franchise a franchise that, you know, don't get me wrong, did stop and reinvent itself a handful of years ago and then very quickly ran itself back into the ground. So this is perfect, in my opinion. Because what made me think of it, or sort of get a bit confused about it, was if they'd have said, hey, we're making Codename Red, it's going to be a RPG open world, big, you know, Assassin's Creed game, then we're going to have Hexa, which is going to be something very different. I think I would have thought to myself, oh, okay, I think I know where they're going to go. They're going to go much more like linear or they're going to go much more like... Uh, you know, story old school Assassin's Creed, but looking fantastic and and being a much more sort of direct story driven game, story driven campaign. But when you say, "Hey, we've got Mirage dropping in 2023, which is going to be that," then we've got Red, which is going to be you know what you imagine. Then we've got Hexay, which is going to be totally different. I'm like, wow, okay, that's that's super interesting because yeah, I yeah, it, it, it's, I sorry. I was going to say, no, go for it, because I, 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 I had a it, little tidbit for you. It's what they needed to do, and we haven't got to the part of the story yet where we talk about like the connective DNA, but especially when you consider the kind of the way they're looking to position the Assassin's Creed uh, the future of Assassin's Creed going forward with their AAA games, their smaller games, um, you know, the, the Netflix TV show, all this stuff, the way they kind of want to interconnect all those things, it's vital that they have as many different looks and experiences as possible. And so, yeah, the fact that we now know about the next three premium, let's call them Assassin's Creed games, and they all have the capacity to be very different to one another, awesome. Yes, no, and then it's good to hear that because they need to do something. Ubisoft need to do something. like Because at the moment, uh, Assassin's Creed is still doing very well for them. Like uh, Valhalla did very well, but... 
as you've said, they've driven it back into the ground in the sense of like, they can't just keep remaking the same stuff and hoping that it works. They have to innovate. They have to sort of be um, on their toes because a lot of their other properties aren't doing as well. So um, unfortunately, so it's nice to think that they're sort of still iterating on their main franchise. Um, One of the reasons, I don't know if you already know this, Jamie, but um, you should be completely in love with Clint Hocking is because he coined your favorite term. I know what it is. To video games. Lunar narrative dissonance. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, Clint, Clint Hawk is a really interesting dude. And if anyone ever, like, wants to go, like, the other thing, go and look up some of his, like, talks. He's given a lot of, like, GDC-style talks about, like, game design and game theory over the years. Like, it's it, it's weird when you're talking about a guy who, like, it's very easy to put him in a box and say, oh, this is the guy from Far Cry 2 and Watch Dogs Legion. Like, so what? But he's a fascinating character, and he is one of those names that, for me, even within the context of Ubisoft, like, you say that I think that was the first thing I messaged you guys. Like you say that name and it captures my attention, especially within the backdrop of a Assassin's Creed game set during a period where, like, don't get me wrong, like Assassin's Creed games have been set during dark times before. But like, you're talking about witch trials. You're talking about like mm. rumor, rumor mongering, and speculation, and eighty thousand people being executed because other people believed that they were, you know, witches. Like it's it, it's a fucking. It's a fucked up period, like period of history to dive deep into, and I think he will. Would you, would you care, uh, dare to have a guess at maybe if you could if you could say it will feel most like another game? What would you go for? Oh man, like that's so di- that's so like. di- that's so difficult. Um, I know it's a massively unfair question. Like we've got no uh, I, nothing to base it on, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I I guess I guess the main the, the feel if I had to speculate on a direction. It would be that you know we talked about Mirage going back to Assassin's Creed basics and that, but fundamentally that's still meaning like parkour and adrenaline pumping action and assassinations. I could see Hexe like obviously, I'm sure you'll still have to be an assassin in some way, shape, or form. But being a slightly like more slower paced kind of thing, I'm I don't know why I've got like detective style imagery in my head because I doubt there was much detective work going on. But there's something about like the fear-mongering and the rumour-mongering and the kind of, like, the, the 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 game of whispers that would have been played around this time of extreme paranoia that makes me think that there's room for a slightly more heady psychological twist on the Assassin's Creed formula that I think would lend itself to a slightly slower, slightly less action-adventure-oriented style game. That's what I'd say at this stage. Okay. Yeah, and I think that, that makes sense. If I had to... Just like the very, the bare bones of what we've got and thinking it's going to have to be a completely different uh, style of game. What comes to my mind is almost if they almost did something which was a mix of, let's say 75% Resi 7. Okay. Mixed with Mirror's Edge and a bit of Thief. Why, are we, why have you picked... First so person, it's a first, first person. So it's, it's going to be first, first person. Oh, okay, wow. Okay, first person story, like very heavily narrative driven uh, game with assassin elements, but all around this kind of like dark, scary, uh, tumultuous period in history where you feel like it's just as much you're gonna, you're the prey as the predator. I mean, but there's a big chunk of Resident Evil in your formula. Do you think you, we get otherworldly elements, even if they are like designed to be apparitions or? Um, or I think like yeah, I don't think or... they can steer away from that too. I, th- I still think you're going to get the 
animus uh, bleed effect kind of. No, but like not, not, not. I'm not talking about science fiction. I'm talking like Resident Evil. You're talking about like. Can, oh no no like, I think so. do you I think, think, do you think there will fiction. be like hints at kind of like a very literal version of witches for example like do you think we get like magic or uh, or something like, yes, weird like that yes but linked to science fiction I think there'll be some kind of science oh, fiction explanation like sci- sci-fi magic. magic interesting okay yeah I think that'll be the crossover it'll be what's going on these are people that do you know what it might even be is these are people from the future who can actually affect the past through like uh, reaching back through the DNA and they can change stuff. Uh, and that's magic. Oh. And that's how they interpret it. I, I just imagine it going somewhere like quite dark and weird, but first person. And like I said, Mirror's Edge thrown in there as well. It's a bit of first person parkour. I mean, of course. The first ever first person Assassin's Creed game. That would be interesting. Let's see. But anyway, we need to move on. Um, so we're not quite done with Assassin's Creed though, because Assassin's Creed have got another game, which is going to be codenamed Jade. Um, which is going to be a mobile game, which is set in China. Um, so yeah, so they've actually got four Assassin's Creed games that are sort of lined up um, coming out in the next, I guess it's going to take us up to 2024, 25. They haven't even given dates for um, for Hex yeah. and Red yet, have they? So we, it's all speculation really at this point. We did have a little update as well from uh, Assassin's Creed Infinity, but it was more of the... Um, the spiel around Infinity is going to be a hub world, which is going to link the Assassin's Creed worlds together. But one thing that kind of is interesting when you put Mirage into that mix is that it kind of suggests that the hub world will be able to give you differing Assassin's Creed experiences. So it's not just going to be linking games. It might be linking Assassin's Creed. You know, you can jump into an Assassin's Creed-esque experience and have a short hit of Assassin's Creed um, yeah. Or you can jump into a massive RPG and you can enjoy an entire game. So, yeah, yeah excited to hear more about that. They even talked about bringing back um, some multiplayer stuff. They've always explored that in the past. They talked about standalone experiences. So, like, again, Infinity could theoretically act as a hub for, like, a standalone, like, I don't know, like, free-to-play multiplayer Assassin's Creed's twist on Among Us, which is kind of what, I don't know if you remember, like, the uh, multiplayer from, like, Brotherhood and Revelations, whatever it was, but like they experimented with some of that stuff before. Well, yeah, like, yeah, you, know, you, 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 you had to walk around and walk around, yeah, pretend to be an NPC and other people <laughs> yeah. would assassinate you. Or you'd, you'd like be walking around going, Where are they? And suddenly you were dead. I'm like, for God, they used to someone teabagging you and then running yeah, away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the great days of multiplayer of Assassin's Creed. Um, but yeah, and then that took us to the end of the, the Ubisoft Forward. Um, pretty short. If we hadn't had the leaks, I think we'd all be saying that it was it was exciting. It was pretty good. It was it was a good show all in all. Um, even with the you know add in of the beginning stuff that wasn't quite as exciting as some of the Assassin's Creed stuff. But unfortunately, it kind of felt a little bit less impactful because of the leaks. But as we said, mostly their own fault. So there you go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, so next up was the Nintendo Direct. Um, which was it came out of nowhere, wouldn't it? It was um, very no. two days, was it? They gave us. Yeah, they didn't give us much notice. We we did uh, rumor it, like we we said on last week's episode of the podcast that we thought it was going to happen soon. Um, they announced. I think it was only two days that they announced. Yes. It, oh yeah, it? like the lead up. It wasn't quite like um, PlayStation, where it was I think twenty four hours, but it was it was oh, short. God, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. The PlayStation one was almost like. In fact, oh. this 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 might have been like thirty six hours. This might have been like in the okay. morning they told us it was happening the next afternoon. So I don't remember waiting long. Either way, yeah, quick turnarounds are, are plenty here. 
Um, so, uh, yes, this was the first, um, like full fat direct since February. So we were, like, as you said, it was rumored and we, we didn't know something was going to happen, but it just was a state of like when it was going to happen and what was going to be in it. Um, at the beginning of the show, they announced the new fire emblem game, uh, fire emblem engage, which is a brand new traditional fire emblem game. I know. I don't think, well, have you played fire emblem? I don't think Chris has. I don't know. We're not really a fire emblem podcast. That the three houses looked cool, but kind of like with Xenoblade Chronicles when the third one of those came out the other week, it's like, you're not selling me when you describe as an RPG as being as you know, as deep or as long or as involved in this when I'm already not sold on many elements of the art style or the world or the writing or the voice acting. And I know that's a barrier I need to break down over time, but it's not one I'm ready to break down just yet. So I'll let Fire Emblem fans enjoy, I think, for now. I've got yeah, enough absolutely. to play. Yeah, I think we even had comments before saying like, why do you guys, you just sort of skate over games, some games. And I'm like, yeah, it's just because unfortunately like some that we don't play is not really much we can add to the mix, right? We can say, go check out the trailer, go enjoy it. But beyond that, until one of us actually gets invested and plays it, Mm. it's what it is. Speaking of games like that, Fatal Frame, Mask of the Lunar Eclipse is getting a remaster in early uh, 2023. So Fatal Frame fans. Exciting. Um, Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life, is getting a remake uh, in Story of Seasons, A Wonderful Life, in the summer of 2023. Um, a game, Jamie, that I do know you you do like, the series, mm. Splatoon 3. Um, is is it Sorry, is it called First Splatfest? No, the, 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 a Splatfest is an event that takes place within Splatoon games, ah, where it essentially... Okay allows you to align yourself with a certain team or a certain faction that's based on different themes that uh, revolve around. Like a famous one uh, in Splatoon 2 was ketchup versus mayonnaise. Um, and you would like align yourself. Yeah, you would align yourself with a certain team and you'd go into fights um, based on like team ketchup versus team mayonnaise. And because of course those associated colours, one team all had um, red ink, I guess, and the other team was all uh, white ink. It was just a shame that someone at Nintendo overlooked the fact that um, Team Ketchup versus Team Mayonnaise could very easily end up looking like Team Blood versus Team Cum. Yep. So, <laughs> that's all I remember. So that's, that's, that's Splatfests for you. Uh, team, team, I, for what it's worth, I'm Team Blood, just because I like ketchup. I just, I, as you can tell, Splatoon is not a game I've ever played. It's something that every time I see it, I'm like, that looks like a lot of fun. It's cool, man. I've never got into it and I've never, yeah, it's just, it looks like it's manic and a bit over the t- like crazy. And I'm like, I don't know, yeah. is it just going to be kids killing me nonstop? So maybe I won't play. I mean, it, I hate to break it to you, but that's every game now. Yeah, that that is every game to be fair. Um, I haven't played Splatoon 3 yet. Uh, it reviewed well. It's just come out at a um, kind of a busy time where like there are t- not even like new time with new releases, but like this weekend there are, two kind of temporary or timed things that I need to play. And so all my free time is getting heaten up at the moment, playing all kinds of random shit. Um, but I hope to get to Splatoon 3 eventually, and I just pray that no one's really, really good at the game by then so I can compete. Yes. Well, hey, maybe by the time you get into it, I'll actually get into it. So that'll be good. Oh, Josie, which side would you be on on, the, on this first Splatfest, though? Which is what would you... Up. No, the the one sorry, the ketchup and mayonnaise was the Splatoon two example I used. Oh, but, oh, it's different. But, They've changed yeah, it. So Splatoon 3's first Splatfest, which is what they announced to the directors, what would you bring to a deserted island? And the choices are gear, grub, or fun. Oh. Gear. 
Mmm. You're going to make your own grub and your own fun. No, you don't. So they'll just pick an arbitrary color in that case to represent. Is it going to be brutal because you're going to be shooting like a rocks and sticks and no nah, no it's all it's all it's all link because they're all squid kids remember no that's what i was like it sounded weird to me i'm like you're firing gear each other yeah. that sounds a bit rough but okay <laughs> yeah no, makes if sense. you choose gear it's a, yeah, it's a brown option like right golden yeah, brown yeah. specifically texture like sun <laughs> um bayonetta three Sorry. uh is impending <laughs> is um, I think it's uh, only a month away, two months away. It's not long now. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, they highlight the eclectic cast uh, from the game. Um, and a new trailer was released just after the um, this show uh, on Nintendo's YouTube channel. So you can go and have a look at it and get all excited for Bayonetta 3. Again, unfortunately, a game that I've never never played any of the Bayonettas. I feel bad. Uh, oh man, apparently they're really good. And I also feel bad that I haven't played them. Well, that's what, hey, that's one I might get into because as we said earlier, one of the best things are like, you know, in games, boobs and Bayonetta's got some. So. Yeah, she does. And very long legs. Um, another plus, another tick in the column. Was, wasn't it Bayonetta 3 we were talking about that have the option? Yeah, we were looking at, they have the option to put like a, a family mode on so that you, she puts on more clothes and when she has the animation and she's like doing crazy shit and she gets like that she's barely, barely wearing anything, they now do it so you can have an animation where she ends up wearing like a, a full-on cloak so you can't see anything yeah. rude. Exactly. Yeah. Although I will say, when it comes to the you know, characters we're going to discuss in this podcast, there is another game and another character coming up that will give Bayo a run for her money when it comes to absolutely egregious and over-the-top use of tight-fitting clothing um, to accentuate natural curves. That's all I'll say for now. Hey, that's that's uh, gamers for you. Um, something to get super excited about, and a lunch, a bunch of games that I have definitely played before: Pilot Wing sixty four, Mario Party, Mario Party two, Mario Party three, Pokemon Stadium, Pokemon Stadium two, ten eighty snowboarding, um, and Excite Bike sixty four are all coming to Nintendo Switch Online, and those are things to be excited about. However, Jamie, mm-hmm. finally, after many years, I'm going to say. I believe I'm going to say it's 22 years since it was released. I think, I think I'm right. 22 years, maybe, maybe it's got to be longer. No, it's not that much longer. Uh, It's got to be 20. I think it's like 23, 24 years. Uh, Okay. I I can fact check it if you'd like. Do it, do it. I'm going to say, so I'm, what am I saying? 98. 98 would be 24 years. So I'm saying 98, 99, 24, 23 years, about around there. So you're one year off. It's 97. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. But GoldenEye 007 is coming to Nintendo Switch Online as well. Um, Something that people have been wanting for a hell of a long time. And surprising that Nintendo hadn't done it sooner because you know how much they love to remake a game and re-release it. Yeah. Apparently, so this was one that's been rattling around for a while because it was like in a weird place where obviously Rare developed this game uh, and Rare uh, are now, I think, owned by Microsoft, I believe. I don't, um, but anyway, yeah, it was a weird like hold up. And a, I think Rare had like remastered because obviously um, this this has been zhuzhed up uh, to look uh, nice and relevant. Um, not all the way relevant, not remade or anything, but at least it looks better. Um, but then there was a hold up in the release, and then there were concerns earlier in the year about Russia stuff that apparently held it off. But yes, this is now out. There's an Xbox version coming out as well that will be uh, retroactively, no pun intended, added to uh, Rare Replay um, 
and will also be available on Game Pass. That version runs in 4K and has achievements, everything you'd expect. The cool thing about the Switch version, though, is that the, the Switch version has, and it's exclusive to the Switch, the only version that has it, online multiplayer. And yes. because it's a part of Nintendo Switch Online, which means you need to be an active NSO member to even play it, it essentially means everyone who goes and plays GoldenEye 007 on their Switch can play online, which if that leads to fucking the N64 classic having a revitalized you know, online presence via the Nintendo Switch, then that sounds awesome. Yeah, no, it does sound very cool. And um, as such an iconic, massive game... Um, yeah, no, I'm psyched for that. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to jumping back in. Unfortunately, you'll be playing it on the Nintendo Switch controller uh, or controllers, depending on how you like to play. So that might be a bit... I mean, the controller wasn't great back in the day when you were playing GoldenEye, but hey, we'll see. Yeah, we've we'll got two analog there. sticks now. And so, you know, you take these incremental improvements where you can get them, right? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to go back to the days of having one analog stick. That was that was absolutely killer. Uh, the creators of uh, Danganronpa announced Master Detective Archive Rain Code. Um, there you go. Never heard of that. I, I just thought, I just thought <laughs> the, I thought the trailer looked cool. I never played a Danganronpa game, but I like the trailer. Shit. I don't even remember this trailer. Uh, Saying, I skipped. Do you know what? I actually skipped over this because the next game was one uh, I wanted to watch. Right. Okay. So the, yeah, this was the one where it was like it was a detective game. Like seemed like was, you've got some like murder mystery shit, but in the same way. Um, games like Persona kind of like completely switch up like in terms of visuals and style and aesthetic this like seemed like it had some very weird things where like all of a sudden you were going on these crazy boss fights or entering these weird like dream worlds but all still as part of the detective procedural I don't know it just seemed interesting I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if I'll give it a go but solid trailer I thought uh, and then it leaked just beforehand, but this uh, this direct we did have um, Octopath Traveler two. We had a tasty little trailer for that. Anyone who played um, Octopath Traveler one um, will remember how cool that game looks. I played, a, I don't know, I played an all right amount of that, um, mm. but it's a very cool game. It is uh, an interesting um, way to to play a game with eight different characters, eight different stories to pursue, eight different intros. Um, and they're doing it all again. So eight new characters uh, that you'll be able to have and, and walk around and follow and, and to have their own little journeys together. So there oh, you go. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, did you? Sorry. Were you an Octopath Traveler guy? I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, I think it was the time I wasn't really looking. Similar to what we talked about at Fire Emblem. At the time that Octopath Traveler came out, I wasn't really looking for an RPG of that style or that scale in my life. I also still have weird hang-ups around, uh, like, turn... I, what, was it was it turn based or was it just uh, either way? Uh, though, yes, the battle the, yeah. the fighting was yeah yeah. Some some of those systems like again sometimes um, I'm just I look at them and I'm like John I'm not in the mood for that. What I will say about Bar Traveler Two though is that for as much as we joke about how the uh, the HD two D games are becoming like you know a dime, not quite a dime a dozen but one has to show up at every single direct now whether it's this or Live Alive or however you pronounce that fucking game. I will say. They keep making them look better. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, this is interesting. Um, but then also, like, the like Triangle Strategy. I always have to remind myself, Triangle Strategy, like, came out this year and was well-received, but it, like, just completely passed me by. So I have no idea what will happen with Octopath Traveler 2, but I'm glad that it exists. No, me too. Me too. Uh, then we got to uh, listen to someone who wasn't Shigeru Miyamoto talk while Shigeru Miyamoto was on screen chatting around, uh, chatting about 
um, a couple of cool oh, I things. See. <laughs> we had. Um, I would always throws me is the voices they use. Uh, is in like you know because they're what well, they're too they emote too much or they don't they emphasis on the wrong words or it just like doesn't match too, the body feel, enough. It just doesn't match the dude. It doesn't match the guy. Like I don't know what I imagine it should like at least look as though it fits the dude on screen and. Yeah, no, I'm, it's just me, right? Me, me moaning. I shouldn't no, moan. Fair enough, fair enough. Me, voice or not, though, Miyamoto looked good. I thought he looked pretty smart. Hair was on point. How old he? How old must he be now? Because he looks. Oh, he does look quite good for his age as well. He's getting on. I'll, I'll look it up. But then you got to remember, got folks out in that part of the world, they eat well. He's sixty nine. He's turning 70, See, he, 70 in two months. He looks. Re- he looks really good for that. I think. I do think he looks yeah, good. I, I, I don't know if I was going crazy, but I thought he looked better than. Like I'd seen him recently. That might be my imagination. He he knew that this was coming up, so he was uh, he, he went down and got himself a glow up. So he was looking. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's a, if any franchise deserves me looking at my best, it's this one. Um, so we got a few updates on the Mario movie, uh, Nintendo's theme park at Universal, um, and another Niantic Pikmin Bloom. Um, which uh, was announced. And do you know what happened after the show? I immediately downloaded Pikmin Bloom and I've been messing around with it. How is it? Uh, it's fine. It's very Niantic. It's very uh, Pokemon. Um, uh, is it? Po- yeah, no, I suppose it is very Pokemon Go. I, was, I said it and then I was going to say, is it? No, but it is. Um, it's a fun little Pikmin game where you get to walk around and you can collect Pikmin and you can grow them and then plant flowers, and it's, you know, once again, very Niantic, very walk around and make your area pretty by planting flowers wherever you go and go outside, mm. and the more steps you take, the more Pikmin you can you can grow, and the more Pikmin you've got, the more flowers and things, and they, they can collect more stuff. Um, right. It's, it's charming and, and fine. Yeah. Yeah. Not much do, else do you know it also came out last year? Oh, did it? I only, yeah. well, I only picked up. Pik- I don't know, I'd only heard about it. Uh, that, that's why I was bummed out when Miyamoto first came out I was like did you really wheel out Miyamoto to like re-promote an almost year old Niantic game um, see no I'd, yeah. I'd never, I hadn't heard of Pikmin Bloom but he wasn't wheeled out for that Jamie he was True. wheeled out to announce Pikmin 4 yes rejoice Pikmin fans they've put a 4 after it now <laughs> yeah it's going to be another cutesy Pikmin game yeah and that's how it looked to be fair yeah they showed that picture and it's like, this is a screenshot. Now you can see the world from the Pitman's perspective. And I was like, that's a cool looking park bench. And those are definitely Pitman standing next to it. So uh, thumbs up for that. I thought the t-shirt was cooler than the game. <laughs> right. But that, I, Nintendo do that sort of thing so well though, where they'll have a game that just looks very much like, oh, okay. Yeah, that looks cute. And then millions of people will buy it and play uh, it. So I'm, yeah, that's how they get, that's how they get by. That's how they like, put out a, a Nintendo Direct that was this mediocre, and yet half the games we've talked about in the last 20 minutes will sell, like, over a million copies. Yeah, absolutely. They'll do gangbusters, and it'll be like, wow, the, no wonder they've made 20 of them, because every time they release one, they sell. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And everyone that doesn't um, sell over a million copies or, you know, break records and or do anything they need it to, they know that... Um, in however many years' time, 5, 10, 15, 20 years' time, they could just re-release it, right, Jonesy? They absolutely can. And speaking of games that they're going to re-release, Kirby's Return to Dreamland from the Wii is coming to the Switch uh, to continue the 30th anniversary celebration of Kirby, as they have been doing for a little while now. Um, uh, Yeah, there you go. You can play another Kirby game on the Switch if you didn't get enough from... um, What is it called? Kirby's... Kirby's... 
adventure. All I remember is mouth mode or whatever, mouthful mode. Mouthful mode, yeah. And That's I've played the a lot of thing I remember. I can't remember what it's called. It's uh, called Kirby and the Forgotten Kingdom. Kirby and the Forgotten Kingdom. That is a cool-ass game. If Forgotten you Land, that. excuse me. Forgotten Land. Forgotten Land. Wait, I've cool just realised something. Did that Dream Buffet game come out? I have no idea. Which one was Dream Buffet? That was the free-to-play Kirby multiplayer game that was like a mixture of Fall Guys and oh. uh, Katamari. And it did come out. It came out last, that- last month. Oh, okay, that completely passed I, th- I think it's free to play on Nintendo Switch Online, but, like, that's another example of, like... Nintendo do this very weird thing, and it's been talked about a lot lately with regards to a couple of games that actually didn't show up at this Nintendo Direct, but were rumoured to, which was that they make games that, you know, it makes sense to make. They, you know, they start games in development. Those games will get finished. Those games will get polished. Nintendo will be happy with them. Then they'll say to themselves, should we release this game right now? And when the answer is no, they'll just sit on it and they'll wait until the right time. Right. And if, like, if you believe like rumors around a number of different games, like we mentioned with GoldenEye earlier, um, probably the case with this Kirby game, um, and it definitely a case with a couple of other games that we know haven't been. Re- we talked about one the other day, which what uh, remember the sequel to One Two Switch that they finished, yes. but it is tested poorly, so they don't know what to do. Like yes. so, Nintendo sit on finished games. And I think like they just wait for like hey, it's Kirby's thirtieth anniversary this year. So alongside that new Kirby game that we made, let's also put out two other Kirby games. And before you know it, like you get three Kirby games in less than a calendar year. Um, it is kind of amazing when you consider like the rest of the video game industry how it all seems a bit frantic and a bit manic sometimes. And then Nintendo are like, eh, we've made a game. We'll just wait. Yeah, exactly. So that's no other company is like that. As soon as it's it's the opposite, obviously. They're still making it and they're like pulling it out from under the developers, trying to put it out on the shelf, which Nintendo just don't seem to be the same. So totally. In a world of their own. Absolutely. Um and I so I'm gonna it's a shame Chris isn't here because I wanted to ask you both how excited you were for the uh for the next game, which we got a little trailer for, um, and an, an official title for which is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which is the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Were you hyped for this, or were you now just, like, wanting the game to come out? I'm in a bit of a... bit of a kind of the land in between those two, which is that um, I have to acknowledge that this is a sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which I have uh, flopped back and forth on in terms of, you know, um, in how high uh, regard or how high in esteem I I hold it. but it's still fundamentally a very good game and a very important game. And I think to seeing what Nintendo do next within that space and making something that is a direct sequel, I think will be fascinating. I think this trailer looked really cool. It didn't show much, but the few glimpses it did give us of the certain ideas or mechanics were encouraging. Um, and at, at this point, I just kind of want to see more and ultimately uh, play it for myself. Um, I, but I'm not like... I didn't look at the date, which I think was it the 12th of May um, next year. I didn't look at that and think to myself, God, I've got to book uh, time off work, which when you compare that to like the title I'm perhaps most excited for, like in all of games right now, I did do that, for example. Um, so I don't I, know so what so that I find that I'm, Yeah, no, I'm, I find that really interesting because obviously like I think you and Chris were similar in that when uh, when – Breath of the Wild came out, you were both like massively into that, like, you know, well and truly on the hype train. It was the game, not just a game of the year. It was a game of, you know, like yeah. multiple years and stuff. So I, it's, it is quite odd to me that 
I don't know, because you're not, you guys aren't alone. I think a lot of people aren't anywhere near as excited about, and it is May 12th, you're right. Um, I don't think any people anywhere near seem to be as excited about this, which is surprising to me. I think that will change as we get closer to release and as people start to realise what we're on the cusp of. But I also just think that a game like this doesn't have as many things going for it as, say, other high-profile, highly anticipated sequels, um, either, either upcoming or in the past, which is that while Breath of the Wild obviously did have a story, that story was kind of um, obscured and delivered in weird ways, like through flashbacks and through uh, characters that weren't necessarily um, Link himself. Um, and you had to play certain amounts of the game to see even small increments and small breadcrumbs of story. And so a lot of what Breath of the Wild did was in its uh, game design you know, philosophies, in its approach to open world. And a lot of that stuff was really fresh and really engaging five years ago. Um and while I don't think the goalposts have moved that much, there hasn't been a game that has kind of like shaken things up again since and changed now what it means to be an open world game, there is now a wider acceptance of, I don't think you could just make Breath of the Wild again. And so I think they need to kind of up the ante. I Hopefully they up the ante. Nintendo usually are quite good at pushing themselves to do so and not making a game if they can't. Um, and, and, and I think the difficulty is Tears of the Kingdom and people might disagree, but I see it as it almost has to exclusively thrive off the merits of that gameplay and that open world and its new ideas and its new designs and so on and so forth. Because no one sat here saying, I can't wait to see what Link does next. Like, I, I address the elephant in the room. With, with God of War Ragnarok, there is a laundry list of questions that I need answered, and I would play right. a bad video game to get those questions answered. That has a <laughs> yeah. lot to do with my hype and my anticipation for that game. There is no equivalent for that for the Tears of the Kingdom. But Tears of the Kingdom, it's I want to see what Nintendo do and how Nintendo surprised me. And that is inherent to playing that game and seeing more about what it does. Um, and we haven't seen that yet. We only just found out what the name of the game was. It's interesting the way you frame it like that, because I think you're right. I think it's a case of... Um rather than sort of like fostering this desire to play the story and continue down that path, it's more like I want it, like with Tears of the Kingdom, it's like you just want to exist in that world and see how it feels. Whereas yes. God of War, you don't want to exist in the world and see how it feels. You want to get to grips with that story and f- battle your way from start to finish, bloody sweating and like, yeah. Which is All the rest of it. Maybe there'd be a come in there as well. Who knows? Maybe. Um, Maybe. I will say as well, Considering there were rumours that um, this entire direct might get thrown off because of the passing of uh, Queen Elizabeth II, and considering that Nintendo UK actually didn't stream this direct, they had just uploaded the VOD after the fact, really bold calling it Tears of the Kingdom and just going out there and like, yep, we we chose like mere days after the passing of the Queen to announce our game is called Tears of the Kingdom, but there you go. It seems funny to announce the name of the game when they haven't announced it for a while. They could have just kept it as... Breath of the Wild 2 unnamed sequel and been like, yeah, we don't know what it's called yet. Just like delay it, just delay it a little bit longer. But hey, they did it anyway and um, fair play to them, I suppose. I think think excitement for that game will ramp up um, as we get closer to release and as as, as the path towards its release becomes clearer, we start seeing more stuff and we start hearing more. And especially as word of mouth, like word of mouth was huge for Breath of the Wild. Like that game came out and it was like, oh, it turns out they might have just made one of the best games of all time in terms of critical consensus. That shift moves the that shit moves the needle for people, um, whether it should or not, as another question. By the way, I did ask Chris earlier, 
um, if he had any uh, thoughts that he wanted to share. For anyone wondering, Chris is out of action this week with a, a bit of an injury, a bit of a blow, but we hope he'll be back with us next week. I did ask him if he wanted anything kind of shared on the podcast because there's so much to react to. And uh, one half of it was him saying that Zelda Tears of the Kingdom has him equal measures excited and apprehensive, which kind of taps into what you said, Jonesy. Yeah, like I said, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think it will change getting closer once we see a bit more and once people know more about what they're going to get. But um, yeah, no, I can can see why he feels like that. Um, Although he, uh, I don't think you quite got to the, he said apprehensive. It doesn't quite get to sad, which is how some people may have been feeling with the end of the the direct because a few things didn't turn up that people thought were going to be there. Uh, We're talking Wind Waker, Twilight Princess and Metroid Prime. Um, But we did, of course, get some farming sim goodness. Um, Sorry, farming and life sim goodness. Uh, I'm talking about Story of Seasons, A Wonderful Life, Fay Farm, Rune Factory 3 Special, Various Day Life and Harvestella. Did you notice that while you were flicking through the direct that they call a game various day life? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they were. They just knew exactly what it was. They just call it what it is. Yeah, exactly. They've they've run out of ideas. Various things in the, uh, you know, the the day of your life. I actually saw a great meme about um, God of War, which was the, if Nintendo had made God of War Ragnarok and it was Kratos farming, like uh, really cartoony, like just like in the, in the, uh, in the, Fields, just like oh yeah, no, I, I saw it too because I sent it to you. Did you? <laughs> I thought it was on yeah. Twitter. Oh, did you send it to me? I, oh, I mate, that was wicked. Maybe you saw it on Twitter. No, first. no, I've only I, seen, I've only seen I it sent once. it to you as well, and then you just gave me a pity laugh. It was at like two a.m. last night, and I didn't know why you were up, so I didn't question it. Oh no! I've I've only seen it in one place. So if you said it to me, that must have been where I saw it. Do you know what? That's at two a.m. in the morning. That's when like me watching like TikTok and shorts and stuff and Twitter blends with everything else. So I would have no idea where anything yeah. sort of. It, uh, I exaggerated slightly. It was so it's half twelve. You replied with just two laughing emojis. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's okay. Yeah, no, that was great. That was great because that's exactly how some of the direct felt. It was just like a uh, too much farming, too much life sim. Just come on, like yeah. <laughs> okay. And not enough Wind Waker. What a bummer. Hopefully next time. Yeah, and not enough uh, Metroid as well. But anyway, <sighs> hey. Do you, know, do you know what, Jonesy? I'm going to try and keep this brief because no one asked for a fucking thesis, but I think I'm at a weird point in terms of my relationship with the Nintendo Switch's life cycle. And I gather that there are big games here that are yet to come out, like Tears of the Kingdom is huge. Some people are going to be really looking forward to that Fire Emblem game. Splatoon 3 just came out. Bayonetta 3, Pikmin 4. I get it. There are still big games on the horizon. But it just kind of feels like, as we hinted earlier, there's some part of Nintendo that are kind of on autopilot, um, committing to things that have been in the pipeline for a long time and recycling franchises that are just kind of like due a new entry, uh, like Pikmin. But that or just uh, recycling old entries or old for entries. New. But like I'm, I, I just re- I realized watching this direct that I'm ready for what's next. Like I want better hardware. I want a new 3D Mario. I want an actual fucking Mario Kart. Not a Wii U port that they drew out, like was drawn out for another whole generation. Like, I want them to pull the figure out. Uh, they were a wonderfully capable company with some of the best and most exciting intellectual properties on the on on the planet. And I get, I, I gather they make good things that aren't always for me. Um, but and I know that things like Tears of the Kingdom are on the horizon and they're massive. But like, this made me realize that I'm ready for like the you know, the switch to be flicked on whatever, on on the big next thing. 
Like I want a switch. I want a Switch Pro, and I want a new 3D Mario. Like I, I'm ready for that re- cycle to start again because I feel like we're in the dregs now for me. It's funny you say that though because I, I completely agree. Like I think a, a, a Switch Pro and a new 3D Mario, like Mario, Mario Odyssey for me is it is the best uh, Switch game. And even playing something like Kirby, like I have recently, um, fantastically enjoyable Switch game. And I am so much happier when Nintendo were doing stuff like that. Like I, I didn't think Breath of the Wild was that amazing. I thought it was fine. Um, but I like, I like it when Nintendo are being Nintendo and making Nintendo games. And yeah. if they can take that to the next level, if they can take that to the next generation of what the, what Nintendo have to offer, I would love to see what that looks like. I would love to see Mario, like you say, a new Mario, 3d Mario game, but in the next generation, that would be incredible. Um, because who knows what they could do, but I don't, I don't, I'm not as excited to see things like probably like tears of the kingdom and games like that, because to me, they're more, I already play open world games. I already play sort of like some fantasy games. I already play games, stories about people running around in the time, medieval times and, and having adventures and being sent on fetch quests. I don't really need that from Nintendo as much. Yeah. Like I know some people love that. Um, I kind of got that covered with, um, with PlayStation and with uh, Xbox and with PC games. And I, so that's why I really enjoy seeing proper full on Nintendo games. Uh, and th- they always blow me away when they come out and then you can feel the next gen version of that. So I'm totally with you, mate. Nice. Okay. That's good to say. Um, the thing that I was most excited for though, talking about PlayStation and uh, was of course the PlayStation state of play, which like we said, we were giving a very um, uh, brief window um, when they told us it was going to happen. It was 24 hours notice. In fact, a new record, uh, I think we've noted down here. Um, and yes, it was on the same day as the Nintendo Direct, which was a bit full on. It meant that we had a fun day. Um, we got yeah. one a bit earlier, one a bit later, which was nice. We didn't have them sort of competing exactly at the same time. Um, but it also was a pretty meaty uh, state of play and it did deliver. But we're going to do it in order. So we're not going to get to the good stuff, of the real good stuff, <laughs> until the very end. So, Jamie, don't get, don't blow your wood quite yet. Oh, okay. Oh, oh no. I just remembered something. Before we get to the end of this podcast, I yeah. want to talk about something else that I watched that I didn't talk about when I did my catch up, just because. And the reason I thought about it will become clear. Okay, cool. Let's do that. Um, but we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that after at the very end, because some people won't give a shit. They just want to give you the, play, the PlayStation thing and then turn me off before I start yapping. Um, they opened with Tekken 8 um, so uh, and looked fantastic, looked very good. I uh, was reading about people getting all excited about Tekken games and stuff immediately after the uh, state of play. I'm not, I haven't played Tekken for donkey's years though, to be fair. Um, yeah. You, I, I, you, I, I, uh, I like a Tekken, I like a Tekken game in a kind of a social capacity. Um, uh, I, I think Tekken and Mortal Kombat are two games I like to play when I'm around uh, you know, in, in amongst a group of people, and we have like a communal PlayStation, for example, um, at our fingertips, and I find them a little bit more fun, a little bit more accessible than, say, Street Fighter, for example, which I never really got into. Even though that's like the classic, and I know a lot of people will have nostalgia for, say, Street Fighter Two. I was not really of that era, and so have no nostalgia. MK and Tekken were a lot more prominent for me growing up, and so yeah, I have a soft spot for Tekken. I rarely buy them, um, but I do like playing them. And I like, uh, so, I like those that roster of characters, like a lot of cool, familiar faces always. 
They do, and they always feel really snappy. And one thing that will definitely feel snappy in this uh, in Tekken 8 is the fact that the footage we got to see was taken straight from the game's story campaign and runs um, in 60 frames a second in real time and did look uh, fantastic. So, yeah. Yeah, um, that was a be... surprise. So not a surprising revelation, but I did it. I, when they said that, I was like, oh, okay, let's see. Let's see what it looks like, you know, when it, when it's all buttoned up and the UI's in and so on and so forth. But it's encouraging, right? Absolutely. Uh, and then Ryogar Gotuku Ishin, Jesus, um, is getting a full remake. Um, it was uh, released for the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation 4 back in the 2010s, um, but it didn't come to North America and Europe. So uh, it's about time that we got to have a play with it as well. Um, yeah. So... Uh, so can I jump in and say yeah, yeah. I've I I I have had a like a fucking crash course in the re, Ryugagotoku shit because like have, do you, so do you like you recognize this that this was a like a yakuza game basically right like this was a yakuza game about samurai uh no I have I had no idea what it was okay so that, Go that's on, why, that, how, why have that, you had a crash course? Well, because it? because that's what this is. That that's that's because um, you've been is, playing quite. A, you've been playing a bit of Yakuza recently because they're, they're right. all available on uh, Game Pass, right? Exactly that. Yeah. Um, um, basically, what is happening is that they are continuing, like confusingly, Ryu Gagotoku Studio are continuing to do what they have been doing recently, which is remaking old games and releasing new ones, but. They have changed the name of the series so that in the West it is no longer called Yakuza. It oh. is now it is now called Like a Dragon, which was the subtitle of the previous Yakuza game, which they dropped the oh. seven they dropped the seven from because it was now an RPG and I get a turn based RPG I should say, and I guess they wanted it to have a new kind of like sense of identity, right? Because we had all the Yakuza's up to six, then they released the Yakuza Like a Dragon. Now they're changing Yakuza to Like a Dragon, which was, like I said, the right. subtitle of the previous one. Like a Dragon is also the actual translation of Ryu Gagotoku, and it's what it's called in Japan. So the studio is named Like a Dragon, their series is called Like a Dragon, and now in the West we will call it Like a Dragon, which is why this was called Like a Dragon Ishin, which is a... a a spin-off of the series formerly known as Yakuza, um, set in like uh, fucking samurai times, but still star starring like Kiryu and and all, all those people. And they all can, they also announced the next game is going to be called Like a Dragon Eight. So it is still the exact same series number wise. It's just not called Yakuza right. anymore. And that one will also have um, uh, Ichiban. From the previous game, which reminder was called Yakuza Like a Dragon, um, and he's going to team up with Kiryu, and they're also making another right. game that is like in between um, six and seven. That's about Kiryu, and some of them are turn based, and some of them are action adventure games. What a fucking load of mess! But fun. that's funny because I was trying to think about how to get into the Yakuza series. I was trying to sort of work out whereabouts I should hop in because I know, yeah, like I said, a load of them are available on Game Pass, but. I was just like, I've no idea. Like, I don't want to go all the. I don't want to go too far back and then be like, yeah. you shouldn't have done that. But I don't want to go too late and be like, oh, you've missed out some of the best stuff. So there's also like weird things where like Yakuza Zero is a prequel, so that that that's a good way to jump in. But also, it's a prequel that was made before they remade some other things. So like, there are more recent games that might be like 
just better as a result of the fact that they're right. not fucking seven years old. Also, some of them were remade outright. Those are called Kiwami, um, like Yakuza Kiwami and Yakuza 2 Kiwami, but some of them were only remastered um, right. like four, five, three, three, four, and five were only remastered. Six is a recent one. Seven's not called Seven, but it became a turn-based action RPG. And now Eight is called Eight, but it's not called Yakuza anymore. It's called Like a Dragon. And also there are spin-offs. You really have had a crash course in this, and you've retained that knowledge remarkably well. well because I was really like, I was, I was confused. Because even during the state of play, when they were like, Like a Dragon Ishin, I was like, why are they calling it Like a Dragon? That was the subtitle. And so I looked it up, and it turns out, it's kind of like in like how... You know the Resident Evil Seven Biohazard Biohazard Seven Resident Evil yes, bullshit. Yeah. Like it's it's that nonsense. Um, it, so enjoy, nice. it actually happened. We we didn't touch on it, but it happened in the Nintendo Direct as well with Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life. Is now called Story of Seasons, A Wonderful Life. It's like everyone in Japan is like, we're just going to call it what it's always called. The Westerners don't need different names now. We don't need to call Which, it Yakuza for their sake. Which is absolutely true. You don't. They don't need to do that. But because they make the change, it then throws everyone out because you're like what is this game? And you're like, it's from a series. Do you know what's funny? Because I, uh, saying about Mythic Quest, there's, um, it reminded me of, uh, and I was with a friend at the time, we were watching it. Um, and when they said, oh, what was the game that kind of got you into gaming? And one of the, and the dev person says Contra. And I was like, and every time, it's because Contra, of course, wasn't called Contra in the UK. It was called Super Pro Protector Alien Rebels. And if you ever said that, we'd be like, what the hell game are you talking about? It's talking about Contra. But yeah, there we go. Yeah. It's annoying when they change the names of games. Keep them the same. That kind of makes sense. Agreed. Um, uh, next, we had uh, some um, PlayStation VR 2 games uh, that we got to see a little bit more of. So Star Wars Tales from Galaxy's Edge uh, Enhanced Edition, which does look wicked. Like, I think Star Wars and VR go together very well. Like, you know, getting to that world. I'd like, who, who doesn't? Who doesn't want to get into the Star Wars world, Jamie, in VR? Do you? I know you do. No, I, I don't. No, and well, me and Chris do. And annoying voiceovers that. aren't going to convince me either, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, then we had uh, the Demio. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Uh, Demio as well. That's coming to PlayStation uh, VR 2. Um, so yeah. VR, if you haven't played the PlayStation VR, it's a fantastic way to get into VR. Um, and obviously with the um, release of VR 2, it's going to take it to the next level. Um, I do think it's a, it's a very good way to experience it and a very easy way as well to jump into it. We were lucky enough to have a play around with... Um, PlayStation VR headset and play a few games. Some don't work quite as well. Like we played Resident Evil 7, which wasn't like, I don't know. It wasn't for me the best sort of game. Mm. But when you play some more of those colourful, um, like more, I don't want to say like childish games, but things with a bit, the textures that work a bit better in VR and don't look as like they're trying to be more as photorealistic. They look vivid and amazing and bright and exciting. So the VR 2 headset, I think is going to be sick. So... Yeah, I'm looking Star Wars will look good. Star Wars will look wicked in that with lightsabers and stuff. There were PSVR 2 previews uh, this past week. If anyone, I think IGN, GameSpot, and Eurogamer all did one. If anyone wants to go and see uh, that in action and see that Horizon VR game, lots of gameplay that out now. Yeah, man, that, I, 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 I'm so torn. I think I might get one when it comes out. I, I might know. too. Because it's, it's also like, it, it's, an, it's obviously going to have you know, PlayStation exclusives and stuff like that. But it's also just a good headset. Like, I think it's, when it arrives yeah. on the market, it will have the highest, uh, like, pixel per eye count of any headset on the market, for example. Like, they're, they're pushing tech in some ways. I don't know. If, have they given a price point yet? Have they said how much it's going to be? Don't, I don't think there's a price point or a release date locked in yet. I don't think okay, it'll be so cheap, because I think they are kind of pushing 
the specs. That's what, that's what I'm, the only thing I'm, because one thing they did with the first headset was it was, it was the mo- easily the most affordable. Yes. Um, but now with something like the Quest 2, which has come out, which is actually pretty affordable for like a full on, you know, like room scale VR kind of deal. And tr- yeah, I do wonder where they're going to go with the, uh, the price point. Um, yeah. Like, it's going to be fascinating. Like, hey, or yeah, do they or do they subsidize it a little bit because of, you know are hoping to make the money back on software sales? I, I don't know. If that's it's punchy, but yeah, no, it, it, it's it's going to be. It will be interesting how they come down on that, how they decide to do it because they, I suppose, they're not hitting the same market maybe as last time, or they know that people will buy it because it did well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But one thing we also have to wait and see for because it did get pushed, but we got to see a little bit more was Hogwarts Legacy. Um, which is going to be getting a, a PlayStation exclusive quest, um, which I can't remember what it was called. It was about, it was going into the depths of the pub and like fighting some enemies. It was more yeah. like a dungeon crawl type thing, um, yeah, exactly. which looked pretty cool. I thought it did look, um, it did look like a different take on Hogwarts. It wasn't the sort of thing I was expecting to be in that game. It looked almost like a, um, uh, like, yeah, dungeon roguelite-esque. I don't know if it'll be anything like that. It probably won't be, but. Yeah, That's I don't know. Cool. But yeah, it's also interesting like to remember that hey, you're gonna be going outside the walls of Hogwarts. Haunted kind of- Hogsmeade. Haunted Hogsmeade. Sorry, just go. jump in there. That's what it was called. No, no, like yeah, and like taking on quests outside of what happens within school. Like, yeah, and seeing more of the wider wizarding world. It's gonna be interesting. Um I don't know if we're every time we talk about that game, I feel like we're gonna piss someone off because uh, I there's so many like I mentioned how I watch a lot of like reactions and people talking over the state of play and stuff like that. So yeah. many people out there and like outlets and websites and YouTube channels are just like boycotting this game already. Like they're not going to touch it. Why? J.K. Rowling. Oh, okay. Uh, not to, I didn't, I didn't mean to like set you off. Like, you know, I didn't mean to light the fuse on that, but it's true. No, but like that's so many people. You, but that doesn't, that literally people, makes no people sense saying, to me. People saying, like, I, 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 hate, I work for this website and I'm refusing to preview or review this title and stuff like that, refusing to give it exposure because it all ties back to her creation or whatever. I, I, don't, I don't really know, but, yeah, there's something there's something happening. Like, if she if she was literally making it, if she was in the office with, the, with them making the game and she was there, like, like you know... Uh, what do you call it? Like throwing the whip. Come on. Like I'd, I'd kind of understand it, but when you like, why aren't you going to buy this game? That someone who has nothing to do with her made. She's some billionaire sitting in a, a mansion in like probably the British countryside somewhere. Who's just counting her money and rolling around on her bed. Like Scrooge McDuck. Like, and tweeting. What is, and tweeting, tweeting a lot. What is that? I don't really, what's that got to do with the fact that she made a shit ton of money years ago. Like she sold, I'm guessing that she sold the license and that she doesn't every time come and say like, oh, you can do this. I imagine that she's got, you know, she she sold shit loads of, um, she gave a, a company the, the right to license it, the right to make characters down that, you know, from Harry Potter. Like, it's such bizarre to me that people still think that's linked to the, this. It's, it's like not listening to Michael Jackson because he was a fiddler. People, lots of people do that. R. I Kelly, know what that. R. Kelly, I, I, I have spoken well, I guarantee to people. If remix to ignition, co- and that that's much closer because that's like their voice. I guarantee if remix to ignition comes on in the club, those people are not leaving in a, like solidarity with the victims. Of I, see, I'd probably agree with you. They wouldn't leave the club if it came on. But I know people who have claimed to stop listening to R. Kelly. I know people who have claimed to stop watching Kevin Spacey movies. Like these people exist. 
So he, he, that's close. Like he, I can understand those things though, to some degree, because you're literally looking at the person. You're like, I don't, you know, but in a weird way, you're not hurting them by doing it. You're hurting yourself. If you didn't watch American beauty because you don't like Ke- because of Kevin Spacey, I get it. Right. I get it. You don't want to watch a Roman Polanski film because he's a piece of shit. Like I get it. But when it's like, she's not involved with the, the game. It's taken from, it's like, it's like someone making a, it's no different than finding out George Lucas is a piece of shit. And then you never playing a Star Wars game again, even though he probably has nothing to do with any Star Wars games that are produced by any uh, development company or any yeah. publisher that comes out. People would do it though, even that George Lucas example. Like, it would, I think it would be the same shit as J.K. Rowling in terms of some people's reactions. I'm sure. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure it would. But I, I almost feel like people are hurting themselves. If you, especially if you're a Harry Potter fan, I feel like you should be able to enjoy the art and go, yeah, she was a dick. Like I don't, I, do you know what I mean? I because they're I just do. hurting themselves. I just hurting them. I feel oh, like, like yeah, themselves. like I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm gonna play. She's Hogwarts a billionaire, Legacy. guys. Play the game. Do, enjoy it while you're playing it. Go, ah, I'm, I'm playing her game, and she's a dick. Like enjoy it. Otherwise, you're gonna miss out, and you're gonna feel like shit because you didn't get to play it, and it's part of your youth. It wasn't part of mine, so I don't really give a shit. But it was, it was technically a part of mine yeah. for a brief period of time. So oh. I gave up on it. There's the public service announcement. Play yeah. Harry Potter if you want. If anyone wants to argue with Jonesy, please do, just because I want to read it. No, no, I don't, I don't get I'm not saying to I'm not to I'm not gonna tell people they they should and they're being stupid. Like I get I do get it, but at the same time I'm like, I just feel like people are I feel like they're hurting themselves, especially if they're people who were into Harry Potter when they were kids. I feel like they're hurting themselves. Like if to be fair, maybe it's because I'm a little bit older. And I've so many of the things I loved when I was young have been ruined by people who were part of it. And if I had to not, like if I never watched a Harvey Weinstein movie again, if I never listened to Michael Jackson again, if I never listened to like, uh, if I never watched, you know, films or read books. Another episode of Jim will fix it. Yeah. Yeah. What would you, there's nothing. My, my life is a lie. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I can't do it. Can't listen to Um, your favorite Rolf Harris, like plastic warping records. Can you tell what it is yet? <laughs> oh, oh dear. Anyway, we digress. Um, Pacific Drive, the debut game from Ironwood Studio, uh, was announced. Um, then next up, we had Bandai Namco announcing a new mecha game called Sinduality. Very, mm. uh, um, what's the word? Like an amalgamation name there. That's horrible. Sinduality. Why have you done that? I like it. <laughs> Do you? Yes. Syndicate and duality put together. Syndicate, I don't like it. Nam- could, Band on Namco, what could, have you done? Syndicate, doesn't have to be, pronunciation as well, because there's a syndicate and there's also to syndicate. And then yeah. there's also Sin, Sin City. Sin. Could be a mixture between Sin City and duality. Maybe a cheeky appearance from like a Mickey Rourke or a Bruce Willis. You never know. Maybe. It's entirely possible. Uh, Stellar Blade will be published by PlayStation, um, which debuted at last year's PlayStation Showcase as Project Eve and will launch in 2023. Stellar Blade looks wicked. Stellar Blade looks really cool in motion. It has some questionable uh, things going for it in terms of like the design of certain characters, um, the anime quality to certain voice performances, and... Um, as I mentioned earlier when we talked about Bayonetta 3, this was the other game that has um, a unique... Skimpy. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on when it comes to shapes. And- that's not why I said Stellar Blade looks wicked, let me just say. <laughs> that's not what I was alluding to. 
I, I put it this way. I didn't know that like small movements and walking and taking a single step to the left or right could make boobs jiggle as much as it made them do here. But the combat looks good. I'll also... I also... Uh, Sorry, James, go for it. I was going to say, with the jiggle physics, I always wonder, like, when they're making that, do they not just stand back and go, it's too much? <laughs> do they, or do they go, more, more, more jiggle, more? Did you, there was a Kojima quote that did the rounds this week where he got, he was talking about one of the weirdest points in his career was when he got called into a meeting by, I think it was PlayStation, to ha- they had to have a conversation about how many times a boob can jiggle. Um, before it's how many times it was something it was it was in that ballpark like you know how like shake it once that's fine shake it twice that it's okay shake it three times and you're playing with yourself uh, so how many times yeah. can a, once is fine twice is two like twice is okay three times and your boobs jiggling for no reason i see okay yeah yeah i get you then because then it's like there's nothing making it jiggle then it's just it's right just it's just like it's like a ripple effect where it's like yeah, <laughs> but the thing about like Stellar Blade for me, like it was that it's that weird kind of like sci-fi mashup of like big, expansive, some tits. of that bayonetta style oh. combat. Like, sorry, go on. You said big, expansive. I thought you were going to say tits. My bad. <laughs> no, no, not tits. Like the, the world looks amazing, looks really cool, and the combat looks like a lot of looks a, a lot of fun. And I I always see these kind of games, and I really want to get involved with them. And I want to play them, and rarely do I because um I, I don't know maybe I, I worry that they're not that accessible to me, but. This does look wicked, and I did think Stellar Blade looked, looked a lot of fun. Um, and so, yeah, hope, do you know what? Maybe this will be the first time, but then I'll have to explain to people why I'm playing a game with jiggle physics and super tight lycra outfits. See, you need you need Bayonetta 3's, like, uh, fucking, not, like, pacifism mode, but you need it's, like, censoring mode. I do. Help, That's I'm exactly in the family right. room and my children are watching mode. Yeah, she's wearing, like, a Pikachu outfit, like a, like a onesie, a Charmander onesie, so you can't see what's going on underneath. Exactly. That would work. Um, then we had, uh, Rise of the Ronin, um, which is from, uh, uh, Koei Tecmo Games and Team, uh, bleh. <laughs> sorry, Team Ninja as a PlayStation 5 exclusive in 2024. This one that threw me a bit because I saw this and I was like, hold on, this is coming out in 2024, Rise of the Ronin. Is this like a little bit Assassin's Creed-y? I was like, is, is this going to mm. be a situation where it's like a Deep Impact meets Armageddon, <laughs> two games that actually... Kind of similar, and then the gameplay made me think, no, it's not like that at all. This is a very yeah. different style. Of game. A little bit more Team Ninja going on that hopefully. And guns. Yeah, guns. Yeah, chopping like, bullets out of the air. Yeah, um, which was which was cool. Um, it's not something you necessarily see. I don't. I, again, I don't know about like the hit. I, I don't know what's going on there historically speaking, but yeah, um, those ideas don't always meld together. I remember like Onimusha did a bit of that. Like Onimusha would have like a character that had a gun and stuff like that. Um, but this, this, I thought this looked really cool. Like in terms of like, I I remember in the aftermath of the the direct watching this and thinking, yeah, in terms of like debuting a new IP, um, uh, like this is a really impressive way to do it. Cool era, like, uh, impressive visuals, like cool shots. Like the one where like, you mentioned Assassin's Creed, ironically, the shot shot where he jumps off a, uh, is jump in midair and opens up a weird Assassin's Creed two star, like bird outfit thing, like Mm. it's gliding. Looked really cool. Some of the yeah, the executions with the weapons and the the guns um, was really impressive. I was confused at first because Team Ninja announced another game at the Xbox showcase that I think is ex- I think that one's cross platform and this one's exclusive or something. But yeah, right. Team Ninja put in work, so more power to them. Yeah, I, no, I hope I hope, I, f- I hope this is more to go back to what you said about Blade, I hope this is more accessible than like Neo was, for example. Or Neo right. 2. 
Um, because this looks like a game I want to play. It does, and it's, it is. It does suck when you see something and you think I really want to play that, but you think like oh, I don't know if I can get into it. I don't know if I if that's it, a bit of me, and then you kind of pass it by, and then you never quite get into it. So yeah, no, it's um, hopefully it's not one of those. But it did look a lot of fun, like we said. Uh, but then Jamie to wrap the show up in true epic style. Um, I said before the show, we some friends of ours in WhatsApp said what's going to be here, and I said. I reckon God of War Ragnarok has to feature here. My reasoning being that they gave four minutes of gameplay to um, Game Informer. Um, it was on the cover of Game Informer obviously, a few weeks ago um, that we talked about. And to me, it's like if you're giving other people footage, you must have something held back for the next show, the next thing you do. And also we're getting like close to uh, the actual release date of Ragnarok. So it's, it's felt like we needed something. And if a state of play is happening like, you know, it's, it's going off. It's going to be, it's going to be at least a month before you get another one. I mean, it's probably going to be more than a month before you get another one. So it felt like we had to have some God of War Ragnarok and Sony did not disappoint. We had, uh, I'm going to say it was an absolute epic trailer. I was thoroughly um, like enthralled, entertained, excited. We had story, we had bosses. We had all of the the points that I needed to see God of Ragnarok to make me think it's actually going to release this year and it's not going to get bumped to February of 2023. Yeah, I mean, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. This was, I, I thought it was a, a spectacular trailer, like a really, really masterful trailer, just in terms of being able to run the gamut from from gameplay sequences uh, to cinematics to, to story moments, you know, hints at or reveals of certain characters, uh, environments uh, that we'd never seen before, you know, worlds that we'd never seen before, a, d- a degree of enemy variety that we'd never seen before, you know, big stand back, like jaw dropping cinematic moments, but all cut together in such a way that still allowed for an, a level of intrigue that like it implored you to go and to wait and to pl- finally play this game in November and see this all for yourself because you need to see once and for all how this all connects and how this is all brought to life and which mysteries there are that are still yet to be revealed because they've done such a fantastic job and it's helped that they haven't shown much. But even showing all of this, it's like, I can't piece it together yet. I've got ideas, I've got you know theories, but like other than these sort of very basic broad strokes, it's, good, it's a fascinating puzzle to decipher. And that's exactly what a game like this should be, you know, just under two months out from release. Yes, it's, it's a weird sort of place to be in because it's it's so soon and at the same time we've seen so little they had it felt like they had a lot to deliver but like as you said you don't want to give away too much of when a game is is kind of you know built around story you want yes. to keep everyone excited it, and you want to keep that mystery it, it's funny how quickly one can go from oh it's weird how little of this game they've shown i really need to see more of this game to i don't want to see any more of this game surprise me all at release you, yeah. yeah, you show me too much. Yeah, like that's it. Stop. That's that's, that's a perfect amount. Stop. I think that's why I I was really hoping for like. Well, I was thinking we'd be what we would see would be mostly gameplay and from a few maybe like just two or three areas where they wouldn't really give anything away. Maybe areas that kind of look a bit similar to the um, uh, to the first game, just because you know they don't want to spoil anything and they don't because people are so good at these days for picking apart. Um, gameplay trailers and literally give it, and just deciphering everything. 
they'll go, oh, that's this, that's that. This links back to that. I, oh, I recognize that. They've taken this from mythology and da, 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 da. And they can just give you a laundry list of this is what's going to be in the game. This is what's going to happen. So no, I'm with you. I think they did a fantastic job of keeping the mystery, showing enough, enticing you like, like Fenrir, um, you know, that we'd seen before. So we knew was in the game, but this time we got to see him like sitting alongside Atreus um, and Kratos. Yeah. Yeah. Shot well, see, the, the, I don't know whether or not to say what I'm what I've got to say, but that's that's you've just yeah, don't know. Well, it, but it's not? like it because well, it might be story related. Oh, but I but don't think we know anything. You know, you know. Well, you know how there are two two wolves there. Oh, I didn't see two wolves. So basically, it's two wolves, and one of them like chases the sun out of the sky, and it turns and like the the sky like splits. Yes. I think those are Fenrir's. Like canonically, in like in terms of like uh, Norse mythology, those are Fenrir's two wolf kids. Right. Okay. Not uh, not Fenrir. I not Fenrir himself, but Fenrir is in the game, I believe, because they showed him in that big cinematic trailer from a month or so ago. Yes. Yeah. No. So yeah, that's no. So true. So obviously, yeah, Fenrir's in it, but then his kids are in it as well, which then is almost like a bit obviously like the original, the first one where you had um, the sons of Thor. Um, you got that. So there's a lot yeah. of like fat into family. Magma and Modi, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the piece de resistance for me had to be Thor's hammer and the Leviathan axe colliding as, uh, oh yeah, God. they, um, <laughs> as they came together to battle, which, yeah. Like, that's I what know. I wanted to say. That's literally what I was waiting for. Yeah. It was such like, I, with, with, like, I was so impressed with everything I'd seen up to that point, but that was, the moment in the trailer that I was like, "Wow!" Um, I, I I couldn't believe that they that they, and it, don't get me wrong, like it it's it's like it's like a trope, like whether it's like Harry Potter and Voldemort's magic clashing, or like even we've seen it in Mjolnir before, whether it's when it's like Mjolnir versus um, the uh, is it the adamantium shield of Captain America, like like the 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 unstoppable force and the immovable object, but in the context of seeing it between Kratos and Thor, yeah. Uh, blew my mind and of course like little just subtle things like Thor actually clicks his fingers to get Mjolnir to come back and then they clash again um, I was just blown away and like I just want to say that the, the, I think the reason that the way I can kind of like justify sh- just how impressive this trailer was for me was that in the days before this when we didn't know whether or not we were going to get another trailer and you know there was still some weird uncertainty around have we seen so little of a game that's two months away when is the state of play? When do we see gameplay? They did all of this for The Last of Us and Horizon and Ghost of Tsushima and Ratchet and Clank. Like, when do we sit down and see 20 minutes of this thing? They're running out of time, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then the Game Informer thing didn't fill me with confidence because the Game Informer uh, gameplay snippets were incredibly short and all set within the same almost like arena-style environment that itself we actually saw in the trailer that was debuted a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um and so a lot of my excitement and my hype and anticipation for God of War Ragnarok at that point was uh, stemmed from my love of the original game and my desire to see those story threads through and an anticipation and a hope for what God of War Ragnarok might be able to do. And now that has transitioned to a hype and an excitement and an interest that is less rooted in what God of War did and why I might and what I'm hopeful for and more interested in, and more uh, rooted in what Ragnarok is doing. And now I'm hyped and excited for the elements that I've seen with my own two eyes and that have been teased. And like the things that aren't, you know, like we hadn't, we'd seen a picture of Thor, we'd seen a drawing of Thor, but we hadn't yes. seen Thor before. 
we hadn't heard Odin's voice. And like there all these elements like are now coming together to make God of War Ragnarok the reason that I'm excited as opposed to it just in its own right, as opposed to being excited because it's the sequel to God of War. And that's how I know this trailer was an effective one as a fan. Yes. No, I think, yeah, you said it brilliantly. I think one of the things, the other things that stood out to me was the sense of scale, um, which I always forget, but the first game did it as well, to be fair, whereby the the world itself didn't feel that big to me. It felt full and it felt um, like exciting and there was lots going on as obviously everything was like sectioned off around the, uh, that um, sort of the hub world in the middle. But yet you did have like the real sense of scale where you had like where you, the dragon, you know, um, with the, who, I can't remember the, I don't know what the area was called, where you sort of like go and then the dragon's there and you've got to like um, not, not get your ass set on fire. And you've got like this, and it, you can look off into the world. So you can't necessarily go there, but you can look off into the world. You can see how big and expansive it is. But I think just in this trailer, they managed to get in so many different, places and views and things where you're like this doesn't look like anything from the original god of war this looks like massive and expansive and huge well i don't even know if they're enemies just like huge npcs characters enemies whatever the jellyfish like like the jellyfish yeah and like the uh you see see a jellyfish you see like the mermaid like swimming under the water there's a section that looks like a rock album where it's like swirls of like space behind uh and it's just all these different things. That there's like, a, there's that weird, like giant, like bull, like creature that I think Kratos like hits with his shield and it like right. falls over. But it's like a, yeah, it's like a weird, like four legged creature that's like fucking ten times the size of him. And it's just all of those things. Then in your head, are just like, wow, what is yeah. this? How are they gonna? How does all this tie together? How? Because you know that you're gonna be follow, you're gonna be walking this path of the story and interacting with all of these things. Yeah, like, and that—that's kind of a weird. It's not an open world. It's a—it's a hub world that branches off. But the game has a very sort of like linear, um, in some sense, like linear narrative drive and story to it that pushes you through all of these places. Right. Um, and it's just going to be an incredible journey. Yeah, and like like put, starting to put those pieces together. Like one thing that threw me off immediately was I have to keep reminding myself that Thor arriving at the house in the kind of the epilogue in God of War 2018 was an apparition, right? It was a vision, I believe. I don't think Thor canonically actually visited them. And of course, in this, you get a shot where um, uh, there's a knock at the door and Atreus opens the door. And obviously it's like a silhouette. They haven't revealed him outright, but it's Odin um, at the door. And it's like, well, hang on a second. Odin is the, and Odin is the most prominent voiceover featured throughout the trailer. And it's Odin trying to like, convince Kratos not to do whatever he's doing on embar- or embark or wherever he's embarking for his sake and for the sake of his son um, and kind of questioning who he is and what he is. Um, and like, I'm like that, even that completely reversed my expectations in terms of like, where does Odin, like where does Odin fit into this? Where does Thor then fit into that? Where does Freya then fit into that? Where does Tyr then fit into that? We've got the awesome, like the predator style, like, um, like handshake uh, slash lift yeah. between um, Kratos and Tyr. That was like, fuck yeah. Um, and at the same time, like we don't know how, um, I, I don't know how to pronounce the name, but Ang- Angra Boda, the, the young, the young girl, um, right. how she's going to fit into it. You see a brief snippet of her in this. Obviously Atreus seems like he's got some secrets he's keeping while also going through puberty. Um <laughs> So cool, man. Uh, I think so one cool. thing that I, I, 
after seeing the trailer, I don't think will be an issue, but could have been, um, was retreading old ground with uh, Zeus um, from the original trilogy. And it could, maybe the Odin site could have felt too much like that if it was basically like, oh, now you're going up against Zeus. It would have felt like, oh, we're doing this again. And yes. maybe slipping back into, you know, old God of War sort of style tropes. So, I, but like you said, they've kind of flipped it because that's what I think everyone thought. They were like, oh, Odin's obviously going to be the main uh, antagonist in the sequel. Um, yeah. You're going to fight Thor. He's going to kind of be the, um, uh, like some sort of interim boss or something like that. Right. But the way that it feels like they're kind of setting this up is no, actually you're going against Thor because you've killed his bloody kids. So he's probably True. annoyed. Understand and, his, and his brother? I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I can't remember. How, I can't remember how Boulder fits into things. Can't remember. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah, except yeah. For that first epic fight that you have with Boulder. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. It, look, it looks like they're not. They're they're, they're going in a very uh, yeah. fresh, very interesting. Sort of I direction. I actually my prediction, and you can kind of get a glimpse on this base. I haven't seen the West Wing, but just based on uh, Richard Schiff's voice performance alone, I think they're going to subvert a lot of expectations with their depiction of Odin. And I don't think everyone... I actually... That's one thing I'm going to say. I don't think everything, everyone's going to be a fan. Because if you go back, they did a... They had the showcase last year, and then they did the interviews after the showcase. And yeah. that was when... I can't remember the guy's name, Eric something, was revealed to be the director of Ragnarok, not Corey Barlog. Um, and they talked about Odin and how... Because the, they announced they'd cast Richard Schiff... And they were like, yeah, we've gone with like a really different depiction of Odin. This was all stuff they were saying last year, where like he's not he's like kind of just like an old dude who's kind of knows his place in the world and he just kinda of like potters around and like we yeah, and like they and like sure enough, like when I go back and watch that shot where Atreus opens the door and you see the silhouette of Odin, like Odin looks like he's like five foot six and he's played with a played by a guy who has like a really nasally voice and like Well so I think a lot of people because think of Odin as being like all powerful, big God, but his main power is knowledge, right? That's right. Odin's whole thing is, is knowledge and is knowing. So they, but they can play with that in such an interesting way in a game like this, which is really strong on the narrative front, because you don't have to be a big f- fighting God to be, you know, the most influential and the most cunning and whatever. Exactly Just that. How that, how he weaves through the stories probably, it could easily be the most exciting thing and the most interesting thing about the whole narrative of the game. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, and also the hype doesn't run in the family because you you freeze frame the Thor fight uh, to where Kratos and Thor are the closest to each other. Thor's like a foot and a half, two foot taller than Kratos, which is considering how broad he is, it, that's a massive human being. Well, he's not, I guess, a human. He's a god, but there you go. Um, but and because you like you said, they people are going to get annoyed with the depiction of of Odin. People were annoyed with the depiction of Thor when they showed Thor. Yeah. If you remember, because a lot of people kicked off because they were like, "No, nah, what they've done? They've made him too fat." And I remember taking to Twitter at the time and being like, "He looks wicked. What are you talking about?" Yeah, uh, he, lo- he so looks like what the world's strongest men actually look like. Yes, he, he does. Yeah, which is why I think um, they're not afraid to do things which potentially might annoy some people, which is good. I think it's good to sort of push boundaries and do things a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I'll also say credit to the the writing staff for coming up with what what just based on the trailer alone might be one of my favorite lines in the whole series, um, which on. was "Death can have me when it earns me." Oh, that is good. Good. The, and of course, death is going to maybe play a big part in this because we already know that this is there is no trilogy. This is the last one of this little this run. Is the last one. We don't know what's going to happen from this point out. We don't know what's going to happen with. Um, 
Atreus. We don't know what's going to happen with Kratos. It's all to play for. This is exactly. it. This is the big finale. Fimble Winter has begun. Ragnarok is upon us. All the key players are involved. We're going to Asgard. And, and Jonesy, do you know what? I would put decent money on some unexpected shit going down. That's what I'll say. Okay. <laughs> unexpected bad, as in um, Last of Us Part 2, or unexpected good, as in... Oh, God, I, don't I mean, know. beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? Like, Last of Us 2 wasn't bad for everyone. Um, if that's your way of asking me, do I think they're going to kill... Uh, that they have already manipulated marketing materials in such a way where Kratos will actually die early on in the story and not be present in scenes we have already seen him present for. I don't think that's going to happen, no. Like, They're not going to do anything that over the top. No, but because I, I also just don't think... Like look, like, look at Kratos and who he is to the people around him and the journey he's been on, and even his relationship with, with Atreus, like... In, in in The Last of Us Part 2, killing Joel became an impetus for everything to follow. I'm not suggesting Atreus would shrug his shoulders if Kratos dies, but like Kratos is at a weird point with his relationship with the world where if Kratos dies, I don't think Atreus necessarily like goes on the same rampage for revenge in the same way Ellie did. Um, right. Uh, like I, I think there are far more interesting things to explore that don't require Kratos' death, but do perhaps require the shifting and the fracturing of relationships. Like I think it's undoubt. There's no doubt in my mind that a key theme that is going to be explored here will be Atreus coming to terms with who he is. The idea that's mentioned throughout the trailer: fate versus destiny. Um, and 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 again, yes. like playing with what the first game played with throughout, which is that. There's what's meant to happen and what's written, and like which ties directly into the way that God of War has its own takes, its own variations of Norse mythology. And there's what will happen because, like, what his we already know what will happen. I don't, I don't know if people are like fucking Norse mythology buffs, but like Loki, Loki, Loki is going to have sex with Agraboda, and they're going to give birth to a giant snake and a giant wolf. But those that giant snake and the giant wolf already exist, and those people, those two people are both still kids you know and they're both in their teens so like there's gonna be they're gonna play with expectations they're gonna play with that idea of uh fate and and destiny and whether you can avert course even again god of war 2018 the idea of cycles of 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 of, um uh, the cycle of death and the cycle of violence and parents you know witnessing the death of their their children or and yeah, you know, and and all that kind of stuff. Oh, like children being destined to kill their parents, and and oh, oh, like it's gonna play with all those ideas. And Atreus will be heavily involved, and it, it, thing shit will get difficult for Kratos, and and we'll just have to see what happens. One of the things I th- I hope we'll see, and I th- I think is of alluded to already, is we'll see some playing with time, and we'll see some uh, going back, going forth, maybe seeing people, you know earlier and later and how that kind of plays in will be interesting because yeah. uh, often when that's that's messed around within games it can have a really good effect and can if you get it right obviously can work very very well so yeah mm. not hey, long can, to wait can i can i ask another question it's similar to the last of us thing though yeah sure do you do you think you will take extended like you take control of a character that's not kratos for an extended period of time in god of war ragnarok I think I think it's like a foregone conclusion that you'll take control of Atreus for a bit. I don't think it'd be an extended period of time. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more like 
um, I'm trying to think. So you you know how you take control of Ellie at the end of Last of Us Part One, right? Yeah, I think maybe there'll be something like that, like where Atreus, like a walking to, section. Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit more than a walking section, but I I in the sense of something will flip, so Atreus has to. Uh, maybe he has to save Kratos from a situation or he has to do something in order to save Kratos. And I think that you may well be offered the reins and, you know, you control Atreus. But I wouldn't be surprised either if there was some sort of thing, crux that happens in that that um, section, which, and so almost like you feel like you're the one who ends up fulfilling a destiny, a fate, and maybe making Atreus does become Loki. Um, and makes this makes the switch, and I, I don't know. I'm convinced that at the end, like toward the end, some they're going to go mental, and some weird shit's going to happen, and like there's going to be like there's because there has to be some Kratos going Loki or not, maybe not Loki, but Atreus, no, and like some sort of like fathers, as you were alluding to, like uh, maybe not killing each other, but uh, interfamily battles in a big way, and trying to stop Atreus from fulfilling his destiny. Um, and bringing around, bringing about Ragnarok, but how that messes and how that messes around with time and the fact, like you said, that the the wolf and the snake already exist, and how does that? Can you stop something from happening that's already happened in the past? Like, does that you know? Does that work? How do they play with that? What do they do about it? Mm. Yeah, I think it's going to be. Yeah, no, but no, I think yeah. no, totally, totally. I, I can't wait to find the answers to these questions and more, and, and hopefully be satisfied by them. Yes, I, I, um, was, we, I was in the first game, so. Yeah. No, me too, me too. Um, oh, see, the question is now, do, can I be bothered to start the first game all over again and try and smash it out before... Um, I'm and not, there's no I, way... I'm, I'm, I'm not going to risk it. I actually, I don't want it to be too fresh in my mind because, like, I want to I want to be re-impressed by even the God of War fundamentals. Uh, okay. If that makes sense. I, I will yeah, yeah. do a story, a deep dive story refresher close to the time, but I'm not going to... I've decided I'm not going to play the first one in the build-up. It's also not short. Sure. Even if you just mainline the story, no, it isn't. It is, it is a decent, decent chunky game that you'd have to get through. Which is why I'm thinking like I've only got like two months. I don't think I don't think I could put it away in that length of time. I don't think it's long enough. Um, yeah. Well, we did have a couple more stories to touch on to get to, but um, we've been going for over two and a half hours. So and it's yeah. getting late. So I'll probably call it there. And um, a lot of these stories are going to run anyway, and we'll be able to pick up on them yeah. next week. Call of Duty and TGS are going to, like, Call of Duty, there's a beta this weekend, so we'll actually be able to jump back on that with some first-hand time with the game. And TGS is still going over the weekend, so. Exactly, exactly. Um, So all that remains to say is thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for watching the Super Show podcast this week. Thank you, Jamie, for joining me um, and uh, talking about all of the amazing game news and expos and forwards and shows and things that we got to enjoy um yes don't forget that we are on youtube and we are on podcast platforms um so you don't have to enjoy us in one medium you can switch between the other one we're at patreon.com forward slash super show um head over there and for as little as two dollars you can join our discord and you can chat to us you can chat to the other patreons you can hang out uh as always if you have time drop chris a dm on the twitter he loves it send him something write him something yeah Send him a little note. Tell him to get better soon. Because um, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. There you go. Don't you don't have to send him a dick pic. You can you can send him something nice, but you can also send him a dick pic if you want. Um. And with that said, thank you so much, Jamie. And we will see you, you next time. See ya. Bye.